Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. I thought we might get to the regular season with Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott holding out. Melvin Gordon might have a chance. Zeke deal could be coming soon, says Ed Water. That just down in the last hour or so. What happens uh, with that would be interesting. Um, we'll follow the reports. I just saw it uh, a short time ago. We are live outside of Hard Rock Stadium in South Florida. Miami Gardens, Hollywood area. Miami Dolphins against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Preseason game number three. No doubt the highlight of August. We've been looking forward to this one. We get to see the starters play. The Nick Foles debut in a Jacksonville Jaguars uniform. What will that first team offense look like? Hey, let's have some fun talking about it over the next few hours. And Gators and Canes coming up in just a couple of days. This is the home of the Miami Hurricanes as well when they play their games. Uh, usually on Saturdays. Brett Martineau here outside Hard Rock Stadium in South Florida for a third straight day, just living it up. Meanwhile, back in the Action Sports Shack studios, Austin Lane hanging with Coos once again. What's up? Nothing changes but the weather because it's not supposed to rain today, I think. So at least oh. we'll, uh, we'll have some pretty... I mean, there's cloudy skies, but I don't think it's going to rain tonight, so that's that's a good sign. But besides that, Brent, not much is up, man. Well, I hope it doesn't rain down here. Now... Yeah, you know, I love the Weather Channel, and obviously I love Action News Jax's first uh, alert weather and first alert meteorologists and the whole crew. But if you look at the Weather Channel app sometimes, especially if you're outside of Jacksonville, their radar is not always accurate. Mm. And so their radar has said that we might run into a little weather. That was earlier today. Well, in the last 20 minutes I checked, and it said pretty much in the clear all night long. It's going to dance around us a little bit, but where we are looks to be okay from a radar perspective over the next five hours, even through the night. As soon as I looked that up and told Marcel Robinson, I can't tell you how many rain clouds rolled in here. And so I have no idea what's about to happen. Yesterday it was an iguana, and we might see a couple of those considering where we are uh, near a lot of palm trees and, and plants and, and uh, flowers outside the stadium. We could get rained on today, so uh, and we don't have enough umbrellas to keep everything dry, so we'll have to make a run for it or something. But plan accordingly, Austin. That's a heads-up for you back there. Okay. You could be flying solo uh, and uh, steering the canoe. Good um, thing I was studying the Miami Dolphins until about 11 o'clock last night, kind of going over the <laughs> roster and everything like that, uh, trying to do a little homework to get ready for this game today. So, Were you really? Like, what did you find? Did you really study the Dolphins? I mean, the, the dol- <laughs> only Dolphin I can name, he's got a statue right over there. His name is Dan Marino. He doesn't Dan play Marino. anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I studied him a little bit. Um, thankfully, I had one of their games DVR'd, so I went back and watched that a little bit. Uh, I think they, they present some challenges, but it's kind of like we've been talking about the entire week. I think the offensive line is very um, mediocre at best. Uh, I'm curious to see, though, if Kalen Balage plays, uh, who, in my opinion, is their best back that they have right now on the team. And if he does play, how many reps does he get? But he, he's a guy, Brent, where 
the guy, the guy can do everything. You know, he's he, he's a fourth round pick out of Arizona last year. I'm sorry, Arizona State last year. Um, 6'2", 230. is great of uh, catching pass outside the backfield. He can run between the tackles. Can do a little bit of everything. Wouldn't mind him seeing him in a Jaguars uniform. That's not going to happen. But uh, he'll be a tough guy to stop, I think, tonight. All right. Uh, be interesting to watch that. You know, it's interesting what the Miami Dolphins are doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a full reload, rebuild like the Jags did when – uh, Dave Caldwell took over, you know, 2013, 2014. It's not like that, but it certainly is a refresh and a restart to this organization. Brian Flores comes over from the New England Patriots. He's the head coach. They get rid of Ryan Tannehill. He's now in Tennessee, and that's an interesting quarterback situation up there in Nashville right now with the Titans. And, you know, they, they go get Ryan Fitzpatrick to be kind of the bridge. Then they say, you know what, why not? Let's take a gamble on Josh Rosen. What the heck? I mean, it's a guy that we got to give up a pick for, and who knows? Maybe he's got some, Nobody knows what he has in him. Uh, I don't know if that experiment is working out. I don't think there's a lot of buzz around that working out, but we'll see Rosen out on the field tonight uh, at some point in this football game. And outside of that, man, they do have Laramie Tunsil, who's a, a Jacksonville guy, Lake City, Columbia guy, and he's a good player. Uh, they do have some players here and there. Uh, in the backfield like you mentioned. But it's a pretty refresh, restart kind of roster, and it could mean the Miami Dolphins are not very good in 2019. Yeah, I mean, listen, anytime you have a brand-new head coach come in, you have an offensive coordinator come in, um, you basically change up your entire philosophy, you change up your defense and change up the defensive philosophy uh, with a new defensive coordinator as well. Uh, You know, it's very rare for a team to just take to that and have a – successful first season you know there's going to be some growing pains there so whether if we see a lot of growing pains tonight kind of depends on how much the starters play i think but i think we were talking about the the whole season for the miami dolphins i wouldn't expect them to make a lot of noise especially in a division that has the new england patriots well in the in the you know the jaguars did this rebuild thing and it took way too long right i mean it was you knew it was going to take a bit and and that's what happens all across sports now i still think baseball is kind of the blueprint for it Baseball in Houston, what they did. Atlanta, what they did. Uh, who else am I uh, missing? Um, uh, Chicago Cubs, Cubs, what they did. Uh, I think what right now you're seeing in Baltimore, you're seeing it in Detroit. I think what that is the formula to get good. Now you have to suffer, and you have to be really bad. And the Jags did that for those first couple of years. What happened is in year three and really in year four, when you expect it to blossom, it never fired. You know, it didn't mm-hmm. blossom. And then it did the following year. When Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone got in here, well, then it went down again. So uh, it what the Jags did, it was a little bit different in the NFL, but it wasn't unlike what other teams have done in other sports. And it's worked in a lot of places. And I would like to say it at least worked from a getting to the 2017 AFC Championship game, uh, really 2018, but 2017 season. Mm-hmm. And... What you hope happens is you sustain it, and you can now go and win for three, four, five, six years in a row with that nucleus that you built. There's two things to that, though, that make it very difficult, Like unlike baseball. In baseball, you can spend whatever the heck you want to spend. Yes. Now, some of those teams won't, but you can. Like even Houston, who didn't really spend a lot of money, they said, you know what, we feel it, we feel it, let's go get Verlander. Bam. They got him. Mm-hmm. Look what they did this year. They went and got Granky to add to it. So they're going all in, all in, spending money. Well, it makes it a little more difficult in the NFL because you have a salary cap. So you can't just spend whatever the heck you want. 
And so when you draft guys, and we're kind of in the middle of this now, Ramsey and Gakwe, Miles, Jack, and Moore, well, you have to try to keep your guys or you have to draft and replace those guys. So it's a little different formula. The other way it's different is it all hinges on the quarterback spot. So the Jaguars draft their quarterback, and we talked about it at length yesterday. The five years of Blake Bortles were so up and down, not consistent enough, that you couldn't sustain winning. And that's what the Jags have run into. Now, have they found a quick enough replacement to still keep the nucleus together, keep enough young guys around, draft well in the last couple of years and going forward, and now Nick Foles takes you to that next level of sustainability? We're about to find that out. And I think if you want to make comparisons to the NFL and to Major League Baseball, I think the Astros are a prime example of a team uh, who had to take some of their lumps early, you know, in the in the the before they had a lot of success. I mean, they were kind of the laughing stock of MLB for a while. They it lost built, like 110 games two yeah, seasons in a row, man. Exactly. So they built through their farm system. You know, they built through their own guys, and then when they're ready to compete, that's when they went to go get Burlander. That's when now when when they got Granky this this uh this past year here. Uh, so I think you know I mean I think the blueprint is there where you obviously build. Through, I mean there's not a farm system in the NFL, right? So you have to build through the draft, and as soon as you have those pieces there, then if you have a, a team that can contend, then you go out and get that big free agent if you want to. You know I, I think a lot of time in history has shown in the NFL is when you spend top dollar, especially in a position that's not the quarterback. Uh, it can tend to backfire a little bit. You know, I mean, we're reminded of Albert Hainsworth, Mario Williams, and Dominican Sue for the Dolphins even. Um, you know, I think when you're spending all that top-dollar money, it's got to be at the quarterback position because that's the most important position on the field, obviously. It's starting to sprinkle. This is not good here outside Hard Rock Stadium. I just looked at Marcel Robinson. It looks like it's coming in this way. Not very good. But uh, anyway, it might cool it off a little bit. Brent Martineau here in South Florida outside of Hard Rock Stadium. You know, I want to talk about this stadium a little bit, Austin, too, because they did something that the Jags down the road will have to do. And I don't know if they'll do it this way, but I think the suggestion will be they might do it this way. We'll talk about that uh, coming up in just a little bit. We're going to take a break. When we come back, let's get right into it. Who are we watching tonight? Who you want to see? And listen, I get it. Everybody wants to see Nick Foles. We all want to see Nick Foles. Let's think outside the box, people. Come on. We know we want to see number seven. So I'm chalking that one up for everybody in Jacksonville. All Jaguars fans everywhere. Andy Loosemore, you in London as well. We all want to see Nick Foles. But let's go outside the box. We'll go offense first of all. And you're always welcome to join the conversation. What do you want to see tonight? What do you need to see tonight as a Jags fan? Star Star 690 is the number. You can also jump in 904-362-9901 or any of the platforms. Join the conversation. We're hanging out in South Florida. Jags and Dolphins tonight. Nationally televised game. Locally it will be on Fox 30. And our TV coverage will begin with countdown to kickoff at 7 o'clock. We've got an hour show right outside this stadium coming up. Tonight. Make sure you hang with us here. Star Star 690 to jump in on the conversation. Action Sports Jacks on the road on ESPN 690. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we were a little banged up in that room, but, um, you know, when Jeff and Josh are out there, you know, they were doing a really nice job when they're healthy. Um, you know, James um, and Ben and the guys have, you know, been stepping up um, and doing a great job of, you know, you know, We've got some young guys who just got here, so they've been doing a nice job stepping in and running the routes and getting the blocking teams down. But, you know, obviously, um, you know, we need to get our tight ends healthy. Yeah, Nick Foles talking about the tight end situation. They are not healthy. Jeff Swain will not play tonight. Charles Jones will not play tonight. He's a depth guy, probably trying to fight and make the team, and he's missed the last two now. 
And uh, Josh Oliver continues to be out with a hamstring, hopefully coming back around the start of the season, although I still think you have to keep your fingers crossed on that. I wouldn't count on that, uh, even though the Jags have expectations that could happen. Um, I'm a, a little bit more doom and gloom on those hamstrings until I uh, see it come true and, and be out on the field. And I wouldn't rush the rookie back for game one. I just wouldn't if, if he, it's better to hold him out for another week or even two. Brett Morton down South Florida Hard Rock Stadium. Nick Foles makes his debut along with the rest of the starters here in 2019. But it's all about Nick Foles tonight. Number seven in a Jags uniform debut. This one will be uh, one to watch. and uh, Although it won't be on like the most memorable doesn't matter what happens because you'll remember Kansas City. That will really be the debut, the official one. Uh, this is fun tonight. This is what we've been waiting for. This will be pretty cool to to see what these guys have been working on and how good it looks and how businesslike it might be. Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Jack Studios. We got a little rain coming down here uh, in South Florida. No surprise. The sun's out and it's raining. Welcome to South Florida, right? Uh, that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> no, without a doubt. Um, I'm not sure if that's like prime gecko or lizard kind of weather for the oh, animals yeah. to come out or not, or if there's going to be some vipers down there. So be on the lookout, Brent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we're just trying to try to keep everything uh, dry <laughs> at the moment. Uh, other than me, I don't care if I get wet. Uh, yeah. this, it actually feels pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Let's go, man. Let's get right into it. Nick Foles is excluded from this conversation. Who do you want to watch tonight on the offensive side of the ball? Let's get everybody talking about it, including Zach. Uh, welcome him in. Back in from Knoxville, Tennessee, twice in a week. Pretty good stuff. Zach, who do you want to see tonight play on the offensive side and defensive side if you want to go there? Well, on the uh, defensive side, Brent, how you guys doing today? We're doing, doing good, fantastic, man. man. On, the, uh, on the offensive side, man, I want to see um, – See my man from the University of Florida, obviously, on, on the offensive line and the defensive side. I definitely want to see Taven Bryan. I, I notice he's taken uh, notice he's taken some heat lately from some fans. You know that he's not you know done enough quite yet. All right, good call, Jawan Taylor, uh, who really might top my list of who I want to see. Can he hold down that position? And then, yeah, Taven Bryan is another one. Can he get it done? He's going to play in all four preseason games, so. Uh, I think everybody's got their eyes on him. Can he live up to that first-round pick? And he really hasn't, and even admitted it to this to to a degree this week, Austin, that he's got more work to do. Uh, we have not seen the best of him yet, at least in his mind. No, without a doubt. And it's very telling the fact that we, we talked about um, him a little bit, whether he's going to play in the fourth preseason game or not. And uh, in terms of that, he's going to be playing the fourth preseason game, all accords to Doug Marone. Now with Juwan Taylor... Uh, I do feel like, you know, this is going to be a very telling game, not going against necessarily the best defensive line in the NFL right now. I'm not sure how the Dolphins are going to kind of handle their depth and everything like that, but this is, for all things considered, his first NFL game, so I'm curious to see how he comes out. Can they run the ball? Can they keep Foles safe? And can they build some momentum going against Kansas City for week one? All right, Zach, thanks for the call, man. Enjoy the game tonight. It's a nationally televised one. You get to watch it up there in Knoxville. Oh, absolutely. I do get the ticket just for my Jags, though, in the regular season. So. Hey, Zach, I have, a, I have a quick question for you, man. Yes, sir. If I'm in Nashville and I want the best hot chicken, do I go to Hattie B's? You know what? I'm a Hooters guy. Okay. Okay, Hooters. <laughs> I don't think Zach's from Tennessee. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Hooters is good enough. Thanks, guys. Uh, Thanks, Zach. Uh, Appreciate you you checking in. Um, All right, Austin, what do you got? 
who's on your first uh, your first round pick to watch tonight? First round pick for hot chicken or for first round pick for football <laughs> players here? Uh, so my first round pick, are we going offense or defense first? Um, first round pick offense. We're going we're going to wait on defense for a little bit. So let's go offense. All right, first round pick on offense. Obviously, I could pick Nick Foles. You know, that would be the easy one. But I'm going wide receiver Chris Conley, Brent. Uh, I'm not sure what the depth's going to be like. How the starter's going to play for the Dolphins. I'm not sure if Xavier Howard's going to be on Chris Conley or not. But I'm curious to see if the relationship that Chris Conley and Nick Foles have built throughout the OTAs, throughout the training camp, can now correlate into the first, you know, into their first preseason game playing together. So I'm watching Chris Conley tonight. All right, I'm actually coming on board with Zach right there, and I'm taking Jawan Taylor. He is my guy to watch tonight. If I picked one player tonight to watch, it's Jawan Taylor. Haven't seen him yet in a game. He was looking good, starting to look good before that Baltimore injury, which was kind of just a banged-up knee, and he's fine. But still, I uh, I want to see Jawan Taylor. Can he hold that down and take one more question mark away from the offensive line? Now, just because he plays one game or he plays well doesn't mean he will do that necessarily just off of two quarters of football. But he might make the coaching staff himself, Nick Foles, and everybody else in Jacksonville feel pretty good if he looks good tonight. We're going number two here? That's what follows number one. All right. Well, I don't know if we're going to tease it a little bit throughout the show, but we're just getting right into it right away. Hey, <laughs> hey we, we have hey. two and a half hours to talk about this. So hey, dude, it's 321. We don't have to go to a break for five minutes, and don't use the word sprinkle because it's raining on me. Sounds good. Yeah, and uh, probably turn off your cell phone too while you're at it, or at least put on silent. I was just telling Austin, by the way, Brent. <laughs> did did, why did it beat? The, oh, yeah. I'm watching you on the stream, and it's pretty comical. <laughs> Is it yeah, pouring well, out there? I have to, I have to go it's not really pouring right now, but we're trying to make sure we protect the equipment, <laughs> and I'm trying to talk. Uh, the jumbo and, shrimp hat's what does it. The, the, and uh, and Marcel kind this. enough to give me the jumbo shrimp hat, but it doesn't fit over the headphones, so that's an issue. Um, yeah, this is a disaster you, right now. I mean, who the hell start? Whose idea was this? Are, are you I mean, what the heck? Right are, what? You, are you getting hazard pay right now? Oh, my gosh. This is brutal. Oh, i got to turn on this stream. Okay. Uh, number two, uh, for my offensive player to watch this game, Ryquel Armstead. Oh, my gosh. I'm just seeing your hat right now, and I can't even say anything. <laughs> I can't even focus on my job I'm supposed to do. All right. So. Hey, the shrimp are home, by the way, this coming weekend <laughs> final homestand. There you go, Ken Babby. <laughs> You you look like fear and loathing in Las Vegas, but like you took two times the drugs that he took. Uh, Hunter S. Thompson, settle down. Look at your hat right now. All right, so I'm taking (laughs) Rykel Armstead, Brent, running back. Uh, You know now that Alfred Blues, uh, we kind of saw what Alfred Blues capable of. Granted, not playing behind that starting offensive line. I think Alfred Blues is a guy that can stay consistent and you know give you an okay showing, but the guy doesn't really excel in any spot. A lot of people were high on Armstead after his first preseason game. The guy runs with bad intentions, lowers his head. Uh, you know, I, I, I quite wasn't sold yet on him, but I'm curious to see how he can rebound, um, you know, not playing the preseason game number two. And lack of a better word, I mean, his first preseason game, 2.8 yards, uh, yards of carry there, not the best. So I'm watching Armstead. All right, I like it. Uh, by the way, I found myself an umbrella. Uh, so now we're rocking and rolling. I probably could take the hat off, but now I, I've got it attached to the microphone, so I can't do that. Uh, this has been a challenge, man. You know, this is this is tough stuff down here. People think it's so easy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, let's go. You know, here's, here's what I want to see. I want to see D.D. Westbrook. I've been excited about D.D. Westbrook. I'm going to be honest with you. When D.D. Westbrook came out, I thought he was a little overhyped by some, and I think he, he really... Uh, showed me a lot last year. 
especially. Yeah. And uh, I thought in the second, I was like, I remember saying so many times in the middle of the year when, when things were really going sour. They didn't have a lot of playmakers. Leonard's out. Offensive line starting to really, really take on some water. And I said, just get the ball to D.D. Westbrook. I mean, you've got to be able to, as an offense coordinator, get the ball to a guy who can make plays. And he gave me a lot of confidence that he could, but I thought he was the only guy that could do it. And I thought in the last three, four games of the year, they did a little better job of that. And he's a tough guy. I think Nick Foles even talked about it earlier this year, said, hey, you are a tough guy, but you don't always have to run through everybody. It's okay to get down, get up, and go to the next play. Uh, so it shows his toughness, even though he's not huge in stature. And I want to see D.D. Westbrook have a big year this year. I'm, I'm, I'm on the D.D. Westbrook train okay. and uh, really want to see him tonight try to take that next step, give us some confidence that come Kansas City on September 8th, he's going to be the guy running all over that football field, maybe gets 130 yards receiving and a couple of touchdowns. I like that one. I like that a lot. I mean, one would think either Chris Conley or D.D. Westbrook should shine tonight. You know, I mean, it's kind of like I said, I'm not sure how much Howard is going to play, but they're kind of vulnerable at the secondary spot set aside from Howard. Uh, they're, they're back. I mean, they're their second corner right now, Eric Rowe, has kind of been banged up. Not sure if he plays tonight. And behind Eric Rowe, really, they have nothing right now at the cornerback position. So they're definitely going to be vulnerable uh, for the Jaguars wide receivers there. So my third pick. It was going to be Juwan Taylor, but that was taken already. So oh, you can do it. No, no, okay. no, that's all good because here's, I mean, let's be honest here. There's a lot of positions right now on the team, Brent, that are locked up as starters. But the one that's, you know, I think still kind of up in the air is that one guard spot between Will Richardson and A.J. Camp. So I'm going to be watching Will, Will Richardson tonight to see uh, if he can possibly lock up a starting spot. You know, this is a guy who... All things considered, the coaches are really happy with this year um, in training camp and everything. He's a big body guy, 6'6", 306 pounds. Uh, that's a big guard, to say the least. So I'm going to see if he can kind of you know, earn himself a spot tonight, especially playing with the starting offensive line. I'm not sure how they're going to work the rotations and everything, but it's definitely a guy that should get some playing time tonight and a guy that could actually earn a starting spot tonight if he plays well. All right, here's the deal. James O'Shaughnessy uh, made a nice catch, right? It, Doug Marone is saying, hey, somebody make plays. And James O'Shaughnessy makes a play last week with Gardner Minshew. Well, now all of a sudden, this is a guy that might be one of your reliable pass catchers to start the season. We'll have to see what happens with Jeff Swayman. Once again, will Josh Oliver play at the outset of the year with that hamstring? The rookie, and I still think we have to be a little careful to put too much on his plate because he's never played it down in the NFL. So if James O'Shaughnessy makes a play or two tonight, I may even, I'm going to give you an early heads up on this. Okay. But I may even say, in leading up to the opener, watch out, this guy might might surprise everybody and have like one of a, a breakout type of season. Now, I'm not saying he's going to vote a Pro Bowl. Keep it in context, guys. I'm just saying, for him, he might have a career year because, again, DeFilippo's so good with these tight ends. Foles is so good with tight ends. Could we see a guy like O'Shaughnessy really have his best year in the NFL yet? He could give me some momentum toward predicting that if he has a good catch or two tonight, looks pretty good under the lights with Nick Foles, and and they look like they have a rapport. So I'll keep my eye uh, on uh, him. Yeah, that's not a bad pick at all, you know, especially like you mentioned, Coach DiFilippo uh, loves using the tight end. And granted, if Jeff Swain's going to be starting the year, if Josh Oliver's going to be out there starting the year, 
somebody's going to have to start and someone's going to have to shine a little bit because then it keeps the defense honest. If you, if you have a respectable tight end that can run the route tree, it's going to keep that defense respected and it's going to keep them honest. And if you can do that, that's where the run game comes in a little bit. That's where the play action comes in. It's all, you can play it all off the tight end position. So I agree with you, Brent. You know, I think if Jeff Swaim or Josh Oliver, if one of those guys are banged up, uh, you know, to start the week off with uh, Kansas City, I think, you know, either James Shaughnessy or even Ben Koyak could shine uh, in that pass-receiving tight end role. The sun is out, and it's raining in South Florida. And somebody tell the Weather Channel that their app sucks because the radar's always wrong on the golf course and outside here at Hard Rock Stadium. It showed no rain on the radar. That's why you always should get Action News Jack's first alert weather app because it's way better than the Weather Channel app. <laughs> I can't. I can't watch this stream, man. I have to. I have to close out of this. This is absolutely ridiculous. All right, we'll be back. We'll talk a little defense and more. I want to go around the league a little bit too. When we come back, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN six ninety. It was on the lines of me talking about evaluating and the college frustration of me not getting offers and saying that winning comes, you know, first if you're a quarterback. And you know, I can absolutely understand the relation to that, and there's no question about it. Which is why I felt like reaching out to Daniel, but. You know, that's that's the type of thing that frustrates me because it, it was taken out of context, and then on top of that, now we're talking about something that's not about the Browns. And so, uh, to me, that's the biggest thing. Oh, that's Baker Mayfield, and the question is, do you believe him? Or did he mess up a little bit and make it not about the Browns? Because even though this interview was done months ago, now it comes out... Uh, Hmm, where do you sit on it? Brent Mortno here, Austin Lane, back in the Action Sports Shack studios. we got a football game tonight, Jaguars and Dolphins. Talk more about it. Get some of your responses in a moment. You're always welcome on the conversation. Star Star 690 or 904-362-9901. Give us a call. All right, Austin, what do you think? You believe him? Yeah, I'm going to take him for his word. I mean... One could argue that some of Ramsey's uh, comments got twisted a little bit, even though he was pretty accurate. I mean, I'm not going to say he was accurate, but a lot of things that Ramsey said, Jalen Ramsey, of course, said about the quarterbacks in the league last year, uh, for the most part, were pretty true. You know, I think Josh Allen didn't really play. I'm not sure if Josh Allen was trash, but uh, I, I think he, I think some things they said had merit. Now, with Baker Mayfield's comments, yeah, I mean, you're taking. You're, you're taking the tension off the Browns now, and you're kind of causing controversy and everything. So from that perspective, it's not a good look. But also I think that conversation was a whole broad conversation that didn't get really aired. It was just that little bit. And, and that's what magazine companies do, especially magazine companies that involve fashion and not football. So. Yeah, true. Uh, you know, they're trying to – that's what they want. And, and by the way, a couple years in a row they've been very successful at it uh, with Jalen Ramsey and uh, Baker Mayfield. All right, uh, here's a couple of uh, responses we have on social media. Again, you're welcome to join the conversation anytime. Star Star 690, the easiest way uh, to get in. Give us a call. Uh, Sweet Tea at Missalinder says, I'm excited to watch Calais and the defense tonight. They're usually fun to watch. We'll see how much they play. I would suspect they have a chance to play less than even the offense does. Uh, maybe a couple of drives for the defense, but maybe they go a little longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gator for Life 0601 says, Don't respect, disrespect one of the greatest to ever pass the football. That's because I tweeted earlier before the show and I said the Jags helped this statue of Dan Marino get beat. Uh, get built quicker than expected uh, a couple of decades ago when they uh, ended the career of uh, Dan Marino in that uh, playoff game uh, back in Jacksonville, 62-7 to uh, was the score. And by the way, uh, anybody who I was kind of tongue-in-cheek in that, 
I was a huge Marino fan growing up. Uh, my favorite football player growing up as a kid. So uh, not really a shot at Dan Marino. Uh, Kevin Stryker says he's looking forward to seeing Jared Wilson, Ronnie Harris, and the entire linebacking group. I think there's some concern there. That's why he's looking forward to seeing those guys. Uh, Andy Loosemore, our buddy, says, right, have you guys streaming on the TV? The wife has settled in another room. It's only preseason, but perhaps because of Marone's approach this year, today seems more important for getting a temperature of the team. I think uh, you're right. Andy Oates says, I want to see the whole O-line. Really want to see Cam and Norwell uh, go at it. Uh, Streaming from the got. TV, that's pretty uh, That's pretty aggressive. I like that. Eh, modern modern technology. I guess you're just, just watching you sit in the rain. That's. <laughs> and, <laughs> did you uh, take the hat off? I did uh, take the hat off because it's actually just sprinkling again now. Okay. So it's just okay. I don't mind. I just can't get the hair too messed up. i got an hour show to host tonight. Just saying, here. man, with that umbrella and that hat. It was like Mary Poppins' cousin from the States. We'll call you Gary Poppins from Louisiana. Just say that's what you look like. There needs to be a few memes made. Then oh, we have, my friends are on that now. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, I bet they are. They've been on it before. I mean, they they they, they, they kind of made they kind of felt like I was picking my nose one time on the stream. Yes, exactly. Can't even scratch your nose on the stream. It's you unbelievable. Sure can. Check Childish your behavior out there in Iola, Scandinavia, Wisconsin. Hey, they they don't live there anymore. They live in other places in Wisconsin. We yeah. all branched out and got uh, out. Uh, puts party at the 40. Um, <laughs> that we still do. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. So i uh, got another tweet. said, I'm ready for, to see some high-powered bleep. <laughs> go Jags. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll see if we get that. All right. Let's go to the phone lines. Uh, I think, uh, who do you say is on the line right now? <laughs> Sorry, Coos. Submarine Mike. Submarine Mike's on the line. Oh, well, maybe we have a whiteboard challenge with Austin. What's up, Mike? Well, first, raindrops keep falling on your head. Oh, Just boy. for you, Brett. Song Thank of the day. Um, I like but- I got three three things just as a fantasy football player. I'm a Steelers fan, so I die. But I want to see Con- one and two, Conley and Pryor. I want to see those two for late round, hopefully late round picks. And number three is I can't wait to hear the whining from Gary from South Beach on tomorrow's show when uh, you guys put a smackdown on the Dolphins tonight. All right. Submarine Mike, thanks, man. We appreciate the call. By the way, Terrell Pryor walked through the hotel today, and I was like, oh, yeah, he's one to watch. Is he going to play? Remember, last week he dressed and uh, then didn't play. So where does he sit on their roster, and what do you need to see from Terrell Pryor? I think certainly a question mark. Let's not wait till tomorrow. Let's get South Beach Gary in right now. Uh, self-imposed suspension, I think, for arguing with Austin uh, most of the week. But now we're in your territory, South Beach Gary, uh, outside Hard Rock, Hard Rock Stadium. Oh, we weren't taking your calls? Take my calls. That's not uh, my fault. Hey, that must have been Austin. I was on the road. I told him to answer the phone. Don't blame me. Go ahead, Gary. Is he still there? Underwater. We lost you he for fixed, a minute, Gary. Gary, we lost he you. He fixed the Jags. They're going to put the stack there. Woo! On my Dolphins. Austin, you're going to watch a clinic tonight. A, a clinic on what? You watch my Dolphins. What, what, what am I going to watch a clinic on? Because you, you kind of cut out a little bit. You, you have to repeat your statement. Boom, boom, back down the field, touchdown, touchdown, get the first team out, and they're ready to rock and roll. Okay. I'm going to send you and a hat. the Jag, Jags, the old three and out, three and out. But the Jags are used to three and out, aren't they? They had Blake Bortles for years. You know, They're kind of used to three and out. So is Fitzpatrick or Rosen going to go down tonight with an injury when the Jags defensive oh. line comes hunting? Oh. Neither one's going down with an injury, my boy. Neither one. Okay. All right. Hey, here's the deal. Uh, Gary. Um, I am going to send you a hat from the show, uh, the one that you see in the, in the studio, if the Dolphins beat the Jags tonight in the first half. 
Fair bet. If, if they beat them? Yeah, if the Dolphins are, have more points on the scoreboard at halftime, I'll send you a hat. Okay. I deserve a hat anyhow for being a great caller. But. Well, you, I mean, well, everything's relative now. Uh, but. <laughs> Look, uh, <laughs> y- you know, Brent, uh, I heard Austin talking his junk, and I heard also heard Brian Floyd saying how much the offensive line has progressed since training camp. So no offense, Austin. I'll take the coach's word who's with him every day. Well, okay, and that's a great point because the offensive line has kind of been the topic of discussion between you and the show and also me and Brent as well. Uh, let's be honest here. The coaches have come out and said that say that our offensive line sucks because, number one, that's not how you build confidence in your team. The offensive line that you have right now, I'm glad you brought it up, they have two first-year guys playing. You have Dieter from Wisconsin, who all things considered I'm a fan of because he's a Wisconsin Badger, but he did lack in the pass rush. Uh, he, he, he did lack in pass setting when he played for the Badgers. And then you have an undrafted free agent, Shaq Calhoun from Mississippi State. Uh, all things considered, needs to work on his footwork a little bit from the games that I've seen. And so you have two first-year guys there. Now you have a right tackle uh, named Jesse Davis who has spent two games total playing right tackle at the position. He's a former offensive guard. So he has no experience really playing the right tackle at all. The only guy that you have that's consistent is Tunzel right now. Everybody else on the offensive line either is a rookie or hasn't played the position. So I'm just being a realist here. If it, well, you, you know what bothers me, Austin? It's not how they look now. It's how they look on opening day. Gary, I'm telling you, man, if you start two rookies and a guy that's never really played the right tackle position before, there's going to be some issues. I don't care how all-world they were in college. There's going to be some issues. But, I, but Brent, you know, I, I like the coach who, who was the offensive line coach of the Colts. I think he's a pretty darn good coach, the way he took the Colts line together. Yeah, listen, no, and hey, bottom line Quentin is... Nelson's a legit guard, don't get me wrong, but Quentin Nelson coming out of college was known as that legit guard. There's a reason why he went top net, top 10 as an offensive guard. You never see that in the NFL because they knew what they were getting with Quentin Nelson. I don't think Dieter or Shaq Calhoun right now are Quentin Nelson with all due respect. Oh, all right, Austin, you can talk about my Dolphins offensive line, but there's no skill positions on the Jags that, that keep me sleepless at night. None of them. Yeah, probably not. Uh, I think you got a fair point there, but I think there's some potential for a guy like D.D. Westbrook to maybe do some things. But sleepless, I don't think he would keep you sleepless. All right, South Beach Gary, we'll see what happens tonight. Maybe you get a hat tomorrow if you're winning on the scoreboard by halftime. Uh, in this one, you can watch a game on Fox 30, of course. It's a nationally televised game, 8 o'clock uh, kickoff. Hey, we're going to take a break from South Florida. we come back, I do want to talk about big picture NFL a little bit. What about Ezekiel Elliott? And what's the latest on that report from Ed Werder? Uh, are they coming close, and how much do they need to get something done? What does it mean for Dak and Amari Cooper, too? Uh, what an interesting situation in Dallas, trying to pay all these players on the offensive side of the ball. And I want to ask about Melvin Gordon, man. Do you really believe that he might miss the season, and while it wor- or at least some games? And while it worked for Le'Veon Bell, is it the right path to take for some of these running backs? talk a little bit about it what do you think and more jags talk all the time of course all afternoon live from south florida jags and dolphins tonight on fox 30 again countdown to kickoff our coverage for an hour leading up to kickoff begins at 7 p.m on fox 30 we'll be back on action sports jacks on espn 690 you know anytime you know uh, the dress rehearsal preseason game three for most teams um you know it's as similar to in season week as we're going to get during the preseason so um just fine-tuning all the the schedule and the details and what we're going to go over and the installs, um, especially with a, a new offense and new players is huge. It's been great so far for me just to get a feel of what we're, you know, expectations are throughout the day, um, when I got to 
you know, when am I going to have time to do my extra film work? Like figuring out the schedule so we don't have to worry about that week one. It's an interesting comment on the logistics of how this works in preseason game number three. More attention to the opponent, more game week like the regular season than any other time in the preseason. I get that. Brent Morneau outside of Hard Rock Stadium. Inside, that's where they'll play the football game tonight. Jaguars and Dolphins preseason game number three on Fox 30. Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Jack Studios having some fun on a Thursday as we really anticipate this game. I mean, I also don't want to over-dramatize it. It's a preseason game. But this really is what you work for and build toward the entire last month is waiting for this football game because you know you'll get the best look at this team going into the season. And for the water cooler, for this show on a daily basis, for the Jaguars inside their locker room, I think even, and inside the building and the vibe in the city, I think uh, this can go a little bit of ways. I don't know about a long ways, but a little bit of ways for the next couple of weeks. I, I do believe that. I think we've seen that before. Uh, will you have your hand on the panic button after tonight? Will you be buying more season tickets after tonight? <laughs> you know, I mean, I, listen, I, I think it sounds crazy. I think that sounds dramatic, Austin. But I do think the way football is in our world now and in our culture, and, you know, where we take a, a bad performance and set the narrative for a week, or we take a Doug Marone press conference on that Saturday morning and it was – what was me and what was us, and, and that carries through for the next couple of days. I genuinely believe what we see tonight will will set a bit of a temperature in the town. And, I, you know, ask Calais Campbell, and you'll hear this a little bit later. I said it from our point of view outside the building, and I do ask him, what about their point of view? How much stock goes into this game uh, for them? And you'll hear his answer coming up a little bit later on. But I, I think there is something to it. I, 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 I'm not, I don't think I'm making that up, Austin. You're not making it up, but now we get to encounter what every other NFL fan of a team gets to encounter that they experience through different times of the preseason. Now it's the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, fans' turn to experience this, where you're going to come in Friday and you're either going to uh, you know, pretty much overstate everything and be excited that the Jaguars are going to be the Super Bowl champions, or you're going to come in on Friday and be like, they look terrible, they're going to go you know, five and uh you know, basically five and eleven or whatever like that. You know, I, I think that uh, there is a lot at stake for this game because it's going to be really your only chance you get to see the starters out there. And I'm not saying it's going to be fair to judge everything that you see. I mean, Foles may have an, an errant throw. Uh, he, he he may miss a guy, and people may you know chastise him for it. But I think overall, if we can just see an offense that can move the ball down the field, I think if we can see a defense that is going to play to the best of their abilities if we know that they're supposed to play. That's all I need to see. Now, yeah, points are going to be great. And if Foles can leave a, lead a, a touchdown, that's fantastic. But I'm excited to see the starters out there. But at the same time, I have to learn that, listen, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not gonna garner and put everything at stake with it. Because if you, if you looked at the message boards on Reddit or on Twitter uh, after the Ravens played the Jaguars week one in the preseason – the Ravens were acting like they won the Super Bowl, Brent. You know, they're like, oh, our offense is on fire. We got all these new receivers. They're going to dominate. Uh, the Browns don't stand a chance against us in the division. We're going to win it. So you got to kind of take everything with a grain of salt. But it, but it, it is a good thing to be excited for this game, though, too. Yeah, 
And and back to what Foles said, too, about logistics. I think this is even weird. It's a Thursday game. They play one Thursday night game. So this will be like the third week of the year against the Tennessee Titans. Outside of that, this is unlike anything else that they'll do all year. I mean, the the way their schedule has been set up, because they're playing on Thursdays, it's not on Sundays. They'll play at 1 o'clock most of the time, sometimes at 4 o'clock. So I get what he's saying about treating it like a normal game week, but even that is a little bit different and will have a little bit different feel other than probably the one game this year on a, on a Thursday night. Uh Hey, I hope the, they look good. I've got a hat on the line now uh, for, for that halftime score. So Jags need to uh, come out and look pretty good. And <laughs> I have pride on the line, but that's even more important than the hat. <laughs> it really I'm is. a lot of big statements here on the show that i, I got to back up now. You're right. The hat's like 15 bucks. Your pride is priceless. Yeah. Well, it was funny. Like, I was telling Coos between the break, dude, I've never been so nervous for a preseason game in my entire life. I haven't even watched a lot of preseason games in my entire life, but now I'm be watching there around 8 o'clock uh, in front of my TV man just biting my fingernails hoping that this thing looks pretty good at least in the first half all right uh hey um one one thought before we get to uh some some backs around the league uh i, I said this to somebody i was on a podcast last night with our with our buddies down in uh, orlando wftv and uh it's joe kepner and christian brewey and i said to them i said i'm really impressed with the way the jags fans have handled this preseason uh, at least from twitter from the, like the the you know the people that we talk to i haven't felt like this overwhelming sense of panic or what are the jags doing why is doug marone doing this what do you mean they're not playing i expected this hear more of that when he didn't play guys for the first two weeks and i feel like there's a savvy about this fan base this year this august and knowing that you got to get to the regular season and not necessarily saying, hey, Doug's right, he, sh- he shouldn't do that, but a li- not at least saying, what in the world is he doing? You know, there's an understanding of, of this process. Again, that doesn't make it right or wrong. We'll find out if it's right or wrong soon enough. But I've been impressed with the fan base not really going overboard one way or another uh, in the month of August, and I think that's just chalk it up to we've been through a lot of these things all together. <laughs> and some yeah. have worked and some haven't worked. All right, let me get you around the league real quick. Melvin Gordon, can he sit out the year? Do you think he should sit out of the year, or is this different than Le'Veon Bell? I don't see it that much different than Le'Veon Bell. You know, I think Melvin Gordon is a guy who, all things considered, has been a, a pretty great back uh, when, when he's played for the Chargers there, and he wants to be compensated like one. Now, I understand that the Chargers have great depth at the running back position, with Austin Eckler especially, but he's not Melvin Gordon. So I think if you're Melvin Gordon, you have to stick to your guns and say either you pay me or you trade me or you figure something out. But I think if he was to kind of head back to the team now without a new paycheck, uh, he's going to kind of tuck his tail between his legs. That's not that's not what he wants to do, especially since him and Le'Veon Bell have been so close to this whole thing. So, uh, How about uh, the Dallas Cowboys? Can they pay everybody? If they just paid Jalen Smith, who nobody was really talking about getting paid, and now they might have something for Zeke Elliott or at least something in the works, according to Ed Werder. I was just looking that up to see if I see anything else new on that front, uh, and I don't. We are That that Ed Werder report, um, we'll see if it holds water, but... Uh, uh, an offer that make him one of the top two best paid running backs in the league is the story in the last hour for Ezekiel Elliott. So say they they pay Ezekiel Elliott. Mm-hmm. Are they going to be able to pay all these guys, in your opinion? So, because they still have Dak and they still have Amari Cooper. Yeah, here's the here's the rough thing about that. So you have to pay Ezekiel Elliott, right? I mean, he was the rushing champion last year. Um, he's he's the cog that makes that offense go. You got to pay that dude. At the same time, though. Dak Prescott's kind of, 
I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it, Brent, because Dak Prescott, all things considered, I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL even, just being honest. I think he's outside the top 10. But he wants to be paid like a top 5 quarterback. And if you're the Cowboys, this is a guy who you draft in the fourth round, um, was kind of the underdog story, comes in for Tony Romo and kind of tears the doors off a little bit. So now he's your, he, he's kind of the face of, you know, at least next to Zeke Elliott, he's the face of the franchise. So you have to pay him like that. But if I'm Jerry Jones, man, I just, I don't like writing that checkbook for Dak Prescott. And you got to remember, homegrown, Jalen Smith, Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott. I think that puts them in more favor than Amari Cooper, even though he's a he's a pretty darn good wide receiver. We come back, more Jags talk, plus Gators and Canes on the way on ESPN 690. Getting into a game is where, you know, that's the most important thing. But, you know, right now the anticipation is just, you know, getting to the film right now and watching practice and, you know, staying in the moment, working on today, and then, you know, you do that every single moment, every single day, then the game comes, and the game's not as big as it would be as if you you sort of focus on it right now, um, you know, because then the emotions get way too high, way too early, instead of, like, all I got to worry about right now is I put all, we put all the work in so far today, now we're going to watch it, we're going to take notes, uh, how can we improve, and then we're going to come back tomorrow and install more stuff and do the same thing, and then, you know, by game time, based on what coach decides, um, we'll be ready to roll, and all we have to do is go out there and Plays called, executed, stay in the moment, play for one another. Well, he's been consistent with the message. That's Nick Foles talking about this game. And uh, he seemingly always ends Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Jack Studios with play for one another. And he has really tried to develop that trust and that belief amongst teammates and in him. And I think that's happened to a degree now. Again, I always say, how does it translate on the football field? I think he's really gone a, a, a nice way about doing this. I think this is the first time. Now, he may have always done this in his stops, but I do think Nick Foles, for the first time, had to almost set like a game plan. How am I going to build this thing? You know, like, hey, when we, we start this radio station, it's like, okay, what, do we, what, kind of, what are our tenets here? What do we want to try to do? You know, and then it changes along the way, and it might still change along the way. But... Everybody kind of tries to develop a game plan. I don't know if Nick Foles ever had to do that. I think he had to more adapt and come into a situation and compete and play and all those those cliche words around uh, professional sports. But this one was a little different. Coming in as an $88 million man with the resume he had to a franchise that hasn't won a bunch, don't you get the idea that he crafted something with, with three or four principles to it and, and now is trying to execute? And it looks like he has executed that. Now we get to see if it translates to the field. Yeah, you know, and when you say he executed his principles of being here, um, we have to remember, you know, and as far as free agency was concerned, there weren't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of demand for free agent quarterbacks. You know, I mean, I think Foles really had his choice between Miami, Jacksonville, and possibly Denver, but then Flacco took over for that spot. So, I don't want to say he was really forced here because, I mean, it was his decision to come here. But maybe you can say he was kind of he kind of fell in this position, especially with an old offensive coordinator and John Filippo, a guy that he spent time playing for and took him to the Super Bowl with. So um, from that perspective, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think everything's in place now for him to go out there and shine. M- my question to you, though, Brent, is what is an adequate amount of time tonight that you want to see Foles play? And let's go ahead and... Knock on wood right now for the injuries and everything like that. But, you know, I mean, there's always a a question mark with that. Um, Like, for me personally, if I can see two drives, I'm happy. You know, even if it's one drive, I'm happy. Um, What what, what are kind of some of your thoughts about that? 
Well, here's here's it. The end of the day, there really isn't a timetable for me as much as getting those guys to the sideline healthy as a unit. So, uh, because uh, I'm not going to be fooled by whatever happens tonight. Now, I said this. Uh, I believe. The number going into this game, and, and I don't know, uh, not in any production meeting, so I have no idea really what's going on. Uh, this is a national broadcast tonight, so I'm not on the sidelines, yeah. uh, where I, normally I would have probably a little bit more of an idea, to be honest with you. But I would say, in their mind, this is probably a four-drive night. Hmm. Now, I think that changes as the day, as the night goes along from a shortened standpoint. I don't think it gets longer than four drives. I think four drives is probably the max for this offense. I think it could be two if they go out there, kick a field goal, and score a touchdown, or score a touchdown, kick a field goal. I think they could be done. If they look business-like, that I've been mentioning all week, business-like, do what you do, do what you look like in practice, hang on to the football, hand off to Leonard a couple times, throw a little bit here or there, maybe take a deep shot whether it works or not, move the chains, get in scoring position, put points on the board so I don't have to give South Beach Gary a hat. I think I think they could be out of there in two drives, and maybe that takes three drives is my point. But I think the max tonight is four drives for this uh, first-team offense because I do think Doug Marone, as much as he wants to see stuff tonight, and he wants to see what they look like, and he wants them to all get a feel for it, I think he wants them on the sideline ASAP. Let me ask you this question, though. So you said uh, probably a maximum of four series, and especially for Foles, I mean, maybe it could be two series. But you said the starting offense, uh, the, the, you know, the starting offense as a whole. Do you think that there's any benefit? And this is a guy's name that I don't want to say during the regular season, but right now it's okay. Do you think there's any benefit, though, Brent? Where if Foles was to maybe only play two or three drives, and then you bring in Gardner Minshew um, to play with the ones a little bit, I mean, do you think there's any benefit there of him getting some time with the ones? I think it's a great question. I knew you were going uh, with that yeah. um, once you started. And here's what my belief on that is: this, I think that's a fan-driven agenda. Mm. I think people would like to see Gardner Minshew with D.D. Westbrook and with that starting line and with Fournette. But I don't think the coaching staff cares to see it in a game. I really don't. I, I don't think, first of all, you don't plan on that, right? You plan on Nick Foles playing 16 games. And I, I get it. You, you, there's injuries. I understand. Uh, I think they, in their mind, can see what he did last week, see what he does tonight in the second half, see what he does next week. And they can project and say, hey, he did this well, he did this not so well, but he's going to be doing this if he, we ever have to use him with this starting five, hopefully with Leonard Fournette healthy, with starting wide receivers. So he's going to get more help. Let's continue to see if he can do it with these guys at this level, and we can project that. So I, I believe that's more uh, fan agenda-driven and maybe kind of us two to just say, hey, I'd like to see it. And sure. I don't think we're going to see it. I, I think, Austin, I think you could see that in practice if you want. You yeah. know what? Give give Nick Foles a veteran day and, and let Gardner Minshew run with the ones. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Uh, I, I just don't – The I would see that more if this was a battle. You know, if you True. were a little uncertain. There's no battle. Uh, it's a, you, want, you want Nick Foles playing with the guys, and you want the guys playing with Nick Foles, and that's it. 
Yeah, and you know that's kind of a great point, Brendan. Uh, really, a scenario I didn't really think about. Where if you do bring in Gardner Minshew to go with the ones tonight, it's almost saying like, well, we, you know, we, we could expect Nick Foles to either get hurt or play really bad, and we have to rely on Gardner Minshew. No, I think this is the coaching staff saying Nick Foles is our guy. We're confident in offensive line keeping him healthy this year, so there is no need to play, you know, Gardner Minshew with the ones. So I, I, I can definitely see that perspective. It's a great topic, and yeah. let's see if uh, if they go there. I mean, I I could see the um, uh, I I could see the logic in it, and that's why I like to approach these things, especially when you really don't know what they're thinking. So from a logic standpoint, it adds up a bit. I just don't think they need to see it um, from that standpoint. All right, man. Hey, we did our offense. Let's go around to the defensive side of things. We've got an interview with Calais Campbell coming up. I want to talk a little high school football leading into tomorrow because we've got some really cool things happening, and I want to get to Gators and Canes. We've got balling and falling, stay in your lane, so a lot to get to. So let's get the draft out of the way for the defense tonight. First pick for you, who do you want to see on this defense? The starters will play, although I anticipate those guys just playing a couple of drives. I don't think you'll see Calais Campbell in there sure. too long. Well, and especially Clayus Campbell, I hope we maybe even see him for two or three plays, and that's enough because we know what Clayus Campbell's going to bring. He's a vet. There's no reason to keep him out there. Uh, Brent, if, you, if, if I turn around here and you look at my ginormous head in this cutout, uh, <laughs> there there is still the speech bubble that says pay Jan. Uh, uh, I'm good. still a Jan supporter of him getting paid. We'll see. But I think Jan is a guy you got to definitely watch tonight. Usually, and the, keep in mind, I mean, I, I've said it the whole week here where I think um, if Miami is, you know, if they're hurting a little bit, it is on the offensive line. Usually the way it works is when you're the you're the, the star defensive end, with all due respect to Josh Allen, uh, if if you're kind of the big dog on the defensive line like Jan is, you get to call your spots of where you want to rush from. Because if you if you go back to the interview with Todd Wash, uh, he's even said that they're going to kind of game plan a little bit for this game tonight, you know, kind of like it's a regular season type game. So with that being considered, Jan's going to kind of have his say of where he wants to rush from, whether it's going to be the left side or the right side. If I'm Jan, I'm taking the left side. I think it's vulnerable there at the right tackle position. And I think Jan could probably uh, have a pretty good night tonight. Counting, he's probably in for a couple series, but still. Yeah, I think so, too. And he's been motivated, and he's been all business, and he's focused, and, and that's what it sounds like. So let's see that translate to the field. I think you have to give Yannick Ngakwe a lot of credit through this whole thing. Um, I, I, we're not in the building. We don't know what's going on within the walls. But he has played pretty good soldier in all of this, sure. considering the fact that it did not work out well. We're seeing other guys around the league not act like this. And so I think um, – you have to tip your cap to him, at least from the outside looking in, and let's see if he's all game, all business tonight, and uh, you expect him to be because he kind of always carries himself that way on the practice field and on the game field. All right, man, I'm going to probably steal one of yours, but I'm going to go Josh Allen because I want to see how he fits with these guys. We've seen Josh Allen by himself. I think he's done some impressive things, but how does he fit? With Calais, with Yannick Ngakwe, we won't say Marcel Darius tonight, so we don't get the whole look, but I think we'll get an idea. And I want to ask you something here, because they are going to do some new things with this defense, and mm-hmm. Josh Allen is going to be a trigger point in that. How important is it for them to stay vanilla today and not try them? Or do you think there is some value to try a wrinkle or two? Not the whole thing. But try a wrinkle or two with Josh Allen in this game setting, even if the Kansas City Chiefs and other folks can see it on tape. So, listen, I, I spent some time with Andy Reid. Um, he's a great – he's one of the, the best minds in the game right now, Brent. And in terms of planning for a defense, I think no one does it better than Andy Reid. So if you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars right now, he sees that you know Todd Wash has his scheme that he runs. 
Um, but I also think that he looks back at what Capers used to run in Green Bay. Um, I think you'd do yourself a disservice if you didn't do that. So I think that Andy Reid is expect, you know, is expecting some kind of foreign kind of stuff, especially on third down. So with that being said, I wouldn't be opposed to throwing some kind of, you know, various looks tonight uh, on defensive if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, kind of maybe having a guy stand up a little bit, drop back in motion, uh, kind of throw some exotic blitzes out there just because you have to see how it looks in a real game. I mean, it's one thing to look in practice, but you can't, number one, hit, hit the quarterbacks. So you can't go full speed. So I think to get some of those game reps, uh, some of the things you guys have been working on, I mean, this is this is the game to do it. So you may see a little bit, and I definitely wouldn't be opposed to that just because I think Andy Reid's going to be ready for whatever the Jaguars throw at him. All right. Uh, what do you got? Uh, pick number two. Yeah. So actually, believe it or not, Josh Allen was not one of my guys, Brent. Wow. So you're all good there. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so my second guy, Dayton Jones. Um, Your the guy. Perspe- well, yeah. For, uh, he's he's one of my guys. Um, listen, I want him to make the team because I don't want to fight him in the cage if he's thinking about <laughs> turning pro and, and MMA. The, the, the guy's a freak athlete, and I'll and I'll give him his props there. But but all jokes aside, you know, I think right now there's a battle going on, Brent, for that defensive line, and I think. Dayton Jones, with another good showing, can definitely make the team. I think something that hurts him right now, and I'm not sure how active he is with special teams, but I would think, you know, a seven-year vet now, I mean, I don't think he'd play a lot of special teams. And that's kind of like Terrell Pryor right now as well. We're, we haven't gotten Terrell Pryor a lot, but, you know, Terrell Pryor's a guy who hasn't played in the game yet, Brent, doesn't do a lot of special teams. I'm really wondering what they're going to do with them if they do decide to keep them. But anyways, getting back to well, the his biggest attribute, let me jump in on it. Yeah, he's sure. just different than all the guys they have, man. He's a big yeah. body. He's a tall guy. So I think that really helps his case because you really have nobody that looks like Terrell Pryor from yeah. a physical standpoint um, on that roster in receiving core. That's yeah, uh, that's a pretty solid point, I guess. Um, and you can, by the way, we talked about this today. So uh, I was talking to someone and they said, and you can run the old Philly special with him because he used to play the quarterback. <laughs> that is a good point. I, I like that for sure. <laughs> yeah. And then now we're talking about some little offensive schemes we could see. But with, with Dayton Jones, though, you know, I mean. I think the battle is going to be between like me, maybe him and Smoot. I think McRae's already made the team on special teams. So, and when you have a guy like Dontavious Russell, who's you know he's, he's a draft pick. He, he's a late round guy, but usually when teams have their draft picks, they want to keep at least one year. So Smoot's, uh, I'm sorry. So uh, so Jones is a guy tonight that has to have another great game and to pretty much just lock himself into knowing that he's going to have a, a spot in this roster. Hey, I think Smoot, by the way, I think you can keep both guys. Okay. I think you can, depending on what they want to do with an Ely Anku and, and I, I guess who do you want to let go. But yeah. I will say this. I think Dewan Smoot, who has done a nice job in, I don't know practice by practice, but at least taking, a, an op- taking his opportunity in these football games and making himself known. So I think he's really done a nice job in these first two preseason games. We'll see what kind of snaps he gets tonight, trying to battle it out. And by the way, Dayton Jones has too. He obviously had the big hit, and he had several other plays uh, the other day against the Philadelphia Eagles. My second choice, I'm going to go with Ronnie Harrison. Haven't talked about him a ton. And I think he needs to play well. And I don't know if he needs to be a star on this defense, but I like to think that he has that potential to be borderline star. And I think that will help us feel better about that safety unit that's very young and inexperienced for the Jaguars. You know, if you kind of rank the defensive players, a guy like Jared Wilson, there's no disrespect for him to him. It's more of saying how many guys they have on this defense. But Jared Wilson's probably like the 11th guy on the defense in terms of how talented, you know, and and, and where you would rank them. And so I think it's important for a guy like Ronnie Harrison to be reliable, playmaker, uh, 
and maybe make up for some of that tandem. You don't want those guys to be number 9 and 11 on the defense or 10 and 11 on the defense, you know, and I don't think that's the case. But you don't want a weakness, is my point. Even with the weak side linebacker spot, the Jaguars don't necessarily have a weakness at linebacker. Miles Jack's considered pretty good. Mm -hmm. But with those safeties, you have potential for weakness if those guys don't play well. And so I'm going to keep my eye on Ronnie Harrison tonight. We haven't talked about him a ton here in the preseason. Hey, let's get draft pick number three for the defense to watch tonight, but let's do it on the other side of the break. Plus, Action Sports Jack Stewart Weber jumps in, talk a little high school football. We are live outside of Hard Rock Stadium. Jaguars, Dolphins tonight, preseason game number three. This is about as fired up as you can get for the preseason, folks. It's tonight's game. 7 o'clock countdown to kickoff on Fox 30. We do an hour pregame show live from right here. And then 8 o'clock kick, nationally televised game. It's raining again. I might have to put the hat back on. Larry Poppins. Having some fun in South Florida. Thanks for hanging with us on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Hey, it's Mike Golick from Golick and Wingo. Jacksonville, guess what? Stuart Weber is here. Finally, someone with some talent. You're listening to Action Sports Jacks with Brett Martineau and Austin Lane. On ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Hey, hey, Man, we've hey, been Mike putting Golick to work. Hey, hey, Mike Golick. This is the greatest thing ever. Are we fighting again or what? We have been putting Golick to work lately. And, if, I mean, Weber must be grinning ear to ear right now. Oh, no, I am, yeah. He's I, smiling. I, yeah, I, I, I'm taking back all the bad things I have said against Kuz in my head right now. Ah, <laughs> Kuz and me. All Actually, it's got nothing to do with me. It's probably got everything to do with Nick and little to do with Coos. Yeah, Bossman Nick's all over that. Let's give credit where credit is due. All right, right, well. Coos. Yeah, that's fair. I did absolutely nothing. <laughs> so, all right, Coos is just hey. like, I got a surprise for you, and I'm like, oh boy, here we go. How do we not have that on a drop yet? I've done absolutely nothing. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's given you the opportunity to record it plenty of times. <laughs> yeah. uh, hey, welcome back, South Florida to Jacksonville once again. Three days on the road here. It's been really good, other than uh, these last two rainstorms that have come through. Uh, this one not so bad, but it is raining once again. Jaguars and Dolphins tonight. I, I would like to tell you that the weather looks good for tonight. It's going to keep coming just like that. That weather channel app radar. Eh. No good. You got to go to First Alert Weather app. You got to get that, and uh, we'll get a forecast for you tonight during the uh, countdown to kickoff pregame show on Fox 30. Yeah, so, I went one hey, step by the further than that. By the way, I went to that? First Alert meteorologist Garrett Beanball and checked the the radar and the forecast, and it's just like line after line of those pesky little showers just rolling through the entire evening. Well, you know what? I just as I'm saying that, and you're saying that, I'm thinking back to what Austin asked about how many drives does the offense go, and that could play a factor now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm a little listen. This this day in the month of August, football coaches are are the biggest scaredy cats going. I mean, they are, and and I'm not saying they shouldn't be, but there's paranoia, and so if this field gets slick, if the footing gets whatever. Yes, is there a benefit to practicing in it and playing in it and seeing game situation? It probably, but it certainly doesn't outweigh getting hurt on it. And uh, I wonder if that enters their mind if the conditions do get bad at all in the first half tonight. We'll have to keep our eye on that. All right, uh, before we get some high school stuff, we got some awesome fun stuff going on. Uh, and Stuart Weber is going to touch on that. He leads up our high school coverage 
And let's get to our third pick on the defensive side of things. You said Dayton Jones and Yannick Ngakwe. I said Josh Allen, Ronnie Harrison. Who's your third pick, Austin? So I'm all about watching the battles tonight, Brent, of making this team. I think Breon Borders has an opportunity uh, to, to make this team tonight as well. And depending on how the Dolphins' depth chart shakes out and how, the, how their starters play, keep an eye on by the wide receiver by the name of Preston Williams, who is an undrafted free agent this year. Uh, the film that I've seen of him, the guy is absolutely dominant. He's 6'4", 210. Uh, he's out of Colorado State, played at Tennessee, actually. Got kicked out of Tennessee, went to Colorado State. Was supposed to be about a third or fourth round pick. Had some red flags pop up, so goes undrafted as a free agent. And now he's in Miami. And I think if it all pans out, I think Preston Williams and Breon Borders could be battling tonight. Breon Borders, 5'11", going against you know a 6'4", 6'5", guy. So I think if Breon Borders can do his thing there, uh, it's going to help him out a lot. All right, here's where I'm going to go, an easy one, okay? The man in the middle, Miles Jack. We have not talked a lot about Miles Jack this this year, uh, this August, and we get a chance to see him. And I think he's got his hands full, guys. I think the fact that he doesn't know who, well, it it's, looks like it's going to be Najee Good, but we don't really know for sure from week one to week three who's going to be the weak side linebacker. You're trying to replace a guy who was super productive and that he knew and had a good relationship with in Telvin Smith. And even on the other side, you really don't know what's going on with the strong side linebacker situation. So I think this is a guy that feels comfortable now at the middle linebacker spot, but I think these situations could make him uncomfortable. And it's a little bit different, some adversity for him to handle. Uh, is he up to the task? And how does he look tonight uh, playing out here against the Miami Dolphins? I'll be watching him as well. All right, let's shift our focus. Talk a little high school football tomorrow. Game of the week on the Friday Night Blitz. Uh, we've talked a lot about it over the last few weeks. We're doing some cool stuff. Uh, we're also going to have it on CBS 47, Fox 30 like always. Uh, 10.30 on Fox 30, 11.15 on CBS 47 and Fox 30. So we'll show you the highlights. We'll make a big deal of the game of the week. But we're also going to call the game on ESPN 690. I'll be in Columbia once again, Lake City, Columbia for uh, Columbia High School hosting Trinity Christian, two top ten teams in the state, and I'll call the game on ESPN 690 with Kevin Sullivan. Hey, we got a good one right uh, right off the rip, Stuart. Yeah, so when I was putting together the schedule for our game of the week, uh, I was kind of just, you know, you got to move around some pieces. You try and make things fit because, obviously, we have 22 different teams. we got games played in seven different counties over the course of the full season, and nobody gets repeated. So, you know, we, we get to everybody. We get to all the counties. We get a lot of good rivalry games in there. And so there's a lot of moving pieces to try and make that fit. I did not see this as a moving piece. This was a set-in-stone piece for that week one, getting Columbia and Trinity going head-to-head out there in Lake City, one of our better environments, and to see these two powerhouses in the state go uh, face off. Yeah, this is one we absolutely had to have as our game of the week. Uh, they played the last couple of years as well, and that's, you know, credit Brian Allen. Brian Allen and the Columbia Tigers were playing Trinity when nobody wanted to play Trinity. Uh, and, and they've kept that series going, which has been awesome to see, uh, because both, you know, benefit from the points, benefit from the, uh, opponent's schedule, you know, strength of schedule when you're talking about how the playoffs come into play for that. Uh, but these teams have battled the last couple of years and have had some really good matchups. So I would expect yet another one on Friday night out in Lake City. Well, Trinity beat Lake City, uh, like beat Columbia by a point last year, and Columbia had five turnovers in the game. And I heard that a couple of them were right point blank range, like around the five yard line. And so, went, went for two to win it at the end. That's how they two. won by one. Yeah, so they, 
so this is a good matchup, and the, you love the matchup between Jordan Smith and and uh, his wide receivers against the DBs and this always talented and always violent defense at Trinity Christian. Going to be a lot of fun to watch. Again, the state rankings I think came out today, Stuart. Uh, both top ten in the state. We got the best game in the state to debut this ESPN 690 game of the week uh, for the Friday Night Blitz and Action Sports Jacks. It's funny how that works, huh? We have some <laughs> we have some really good high school football up here in Northeast Florida, and I feel like we take it for granted sometimes, but uh, we have a lot of really talented teams and and you know great action on the field. That's that's something that uh, some places might have these amazing environments. Some places might have these amazing players. We got both. Uh, here in Northeast Florida. So that will certainly be the one that a lot of people all across the state are keeping their eyes on on Friday night. And, and we're they try- can do so, by the way, on ESPN 690. Yeah, and on the video platforms. We are going to push it out there uh, with probably a one-camera kind of deal on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and uh, Twitch and Mixer and all the things that we're on for this radio show. So we're going to try it out. Uh, I'll use my analogy that I used on Twitter today. <laughs> yeah. I felt like it fit pretty well. I, I, I liken it to SpaceX. So when SpaceX sends their rocket up, their their main priority, their mission, is to get that satellite up into space. Their secondary mission is to land the booster so they can use it again. So our main mission is to have a great radio broadcast that you can hear on ESPN 690 and the streams. Our secondary mission is to give you a little video feed so you can check out the action on the web, on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, everything that's ever existed. Who's Elon Musk in this situation, and who's driving a Tesla? <laughs> None of us right now. <laughs> but if we keep performing well, maybe all of us will drive Teslas. Tesla, if you're listening, by the way, we need a, a Tesla. I or think uh, I do think I'll tell you this. I was out there at Columbia last week, and we were testing some of this stuff out. And, and we're going to have some bumps. You always have. Bumps. You never know. Weather could be an issue. All these things, but it's going to be a lot Weather of fun. Weather is an try issue it. that that never happens on this show. Yeah, uh, I've actually had pretty good luck for the most part, but not so much today at times. Uh, but I think this is going to be a really cool thing. So uh, we're excited about it, and we're not going to just one school. We're mixing it up, like uh, like Stuart said. We'll hit a bunch of different schools, a bunch of different counties. We'll even go up to southeast Georgia and do a game. going to be a lot of fun, and I can't wait for high school football season to start. We'll break down some of the other games tomorrow, Stuart, and we can tell everybody what's coming up on the Blitz, not just Columbia against Trinity. But uh, let's do that and save it for tomorrow afternoon as we get set for our, our first regular season of high school football. Hey, what do you have tonight on Countdown to Kickoff? Tease your story, 7 o'clock on Fox 30. So what do play? What does Play-Doh have to do with the Jacksonville Jaguars and Miami Dolphins? Not Play-Doh, but Plato, the philosopher. Oh, um, oh very we, good tease. And you can tell who's the 1400 SAT guy around here. Yeah, we get into that a little later on tonight with some amazingly done graphics by our producer, Mike Dorfman. Uh, so you'll see that. And I got a, a story on Dayton Jones. I know we keep talking about him. He's making an impression. He's been great in interviews. So we'll have that story as well tonight on Countdown to Kickoff. And by the way, Austin and, and uh, Swagoo make an appearance tonight that on the show. That is correct. I am oh, feverishly yeah. trying to edit it and make it work. <laughs> Good luck with that. I think... Uh, that was a little bit of a so dig much, on you, Austin. Fun. There's so much gold content there, it's hard to figure out which ones you want to put on <laughs> that, the, that's for it. people to see. That's yeah, definitely gotta, it. you got to cut it down to two minutes. Cutting down maybe. 14 to two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Challenge. Good, man. That's what we call YouTube money around here. Uh, Jags and Dolphins tonight. The Canes play here, too. They play the Gators in Orlando on Saturday. Let's talk about it next on ESPN 690. Um, you know, you got two premier uh, defensive backs in the league to compete against every single day, so... You can't ask for anything better than to compete against those guys. It's great for me. It's great for our receivers. It's great for our team. 
Um, you know, the defense here is an extremely solid defense that flies around and it's helped us as a young offense um, competing against them daily because they haven't made it easy and our guys have had to execute at a high level to compete. So um, OTAs and training camp have been uh, extremely valuable for this team. Yeah, pretty competitive out on that practice field when you have Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye in the back end, says Nick Foles. Brent Martin here in South Florida. We are outside Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens. Jags and Dolphins tonight on Fox 30. 7 o'clock countdown to kickoff. 8 o'clock nationally televised game. So we'll have an hour pregame show leading up to this one on the TV side and full coverage all night long on CBS 47 and Fox 30. In fact, I'll step out, oh, probably in a half hour or so and do a TV hit on the CBS 47 side of things. Austin Lane up in the Action Sports Jack Studios. Missing me, of course. Stuck with coups. That's okay. Um, at least he's inside and, and dry, uh, unlike me at times in this show hey uh one thought i want to before we get to the gators and canes i do want to uh pass along been mentioning really for the last couple of months and always do around this time of year about the action sports jacks dream 18 golf tournament coming up about 25 days away i think i counted september 16th at the golf club at southampton and a quick shout out to uh, uh some of the folks that have helped support cadillac once again is our title sponsor uh Cadillac has been really good to us over these last few years. They're on board again, uh, brought to you by your greater Jacksonville area Cadillac dealers. And then the law offices of Ron Scholes and the Jacksonville Giants, great supporters of the Action Sports Jack Stream 18. We appreciate all that support in our 10th year of this endeavor. And a big shout-out as well now to the Players' Championship. Gave us a very nice donation a year ago. And back on board this year to support the event and our charities with the North Florida Junior Golf Foundation and St. Michael's Soldiers. Uh, so many more to thank, and we will continue to do so over the next few weeks. But a uh, quick shout-out to those uh, folks and, and places for helping us uh, put on this event. It's going to be a celebration of local sports, and we're going to write a nice check to uh, local charities. One of my favorite days of the year to be able to do it, use our platform uh, in a good way. And so we appreciate uh, Cadillac, uh, the law offices of Ron Scholes, Jacksonville Giants, and uh, the Players' Championship. And I will say this, you can go check it out on the Action Sports Jacks, Dream18.com, and register. Uh, and we're going to have a little bit of a challenge starting next week from a donation point of view, but we're getting pretty close to selling this thing out. We don't go full field, try to keep it to around 112 players so we're not out there for about eight hours, uh, and I may extend that a little bit this year because there's been such a good response. So uh, if you want to play on September 16th at the Golf Club at Southampton, check out ActionSportsShackStream18.com. But I will say uh, space is running out for the event, which is always a good thing as well. All right, Austin, what do you got now on these Florida Gators Miami Hurricanes game, Saturday night, 7 o'clock in Orlando. Canes play here, you know, uh, and, of course, they'll make the drive to Orlando. I I know you feel like the Gators are heavy favorites, even more so than the Vegas 7. Maybe it's up to 8 points now. I haven't seen the latest. I feel like that, too. But we really haven't said what gives Miami a chance to win this game. Could we expect or could it be possible that this kid – that's thrown three pass attempts at the collegiate level, who won the job and was probably the long shot to win the job in Miami. Jared Williams is good and puts on a show sure. and shows out and plays well. Why doesn't anybody ever want to acknowledge that that's possible? 
<laughs> yeah, no, and th- th- that's a great point, Brent. And you could argue that, you know, Jaron Williams hasn't played in an NCAA game yet per se, but he sees pretty much maybe a top 10 NCAA defense every single day in, you know, in, in the Miami Hurricanes. I mean, he practices against them every single day. But there's a reason why that in the NFL you go through preseason and you, you have to play your quarterbacks a little bit because games are different than practice. And while I, I think there's something to be said for the fact that there is confidence in Jaron Williams, obviously I think Coach Diaz is thinking that the best quarterback is playing right now. And it may help to go against those kind of guys on the defense in practice. But your first you know, college football game in Orlando, um, it's going to be a crazy environment. One would think there's probably going to be a little more Florida Gator fans than Hurricane fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's going to be in a pretty rough environment and against a pretty uh, tough and intimidating team in the Florida Gators who, uh, all things considered, have a pretty solid defense themselves. So I think it's going to be a lot for Jaron Williams to handle. But now, listen, I was the guy that said that Trevor Lawrence was going to struggle in, in the championship game against Alabama. And Trevor Lawrence proved me wrong. Now, uh, is Jaron Williams Trevor Lawrence? I don't think so. But uh, I am curious to see just if he can calm his nerves, if he if he can lead that team and make it a close game. Yeah, and, and can they put him in good situations and sure. and obviously low risk situations. But the problem with low risk situations is you often lose the possibility of explosive plays and big plays. And when you lose that, you play tight to the vest, and you're really trying to keep it low scoring. And maybe that is the way to play it. Just don't make big mistakes. Maybe sneak in a touchdown or two, get to 17, maybe 20 points somehow or another, and maybe your defense helps you get that way, and then just rely on the defense to do the rest. I mean, is is that the game plan for the Miami, is just to say, hey, we probably aren't going to outscore a team if they get to 30 points. Uh, we need to rely on our front seven, which is our strength, and really good, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, to... We need to rely on them. They have to put us in a position to win this game. And all we have to do on the offensive side, especially from Jaron Williams, is not lose the football game and hand it to the Florida Gators to at least give ourselves a chance. No, I think that's a great way to look at it. You know, and I think the term conservative gets used a lot here in the situation. Um, I, I don't like that word because you hear the word conservative and it kind of makes it sound like it's going to be boring. Yeah. But I think at the same time, you're right, Brent, where if you have a first-year guy at quarterback playing his first game, the last thing you want to do is put him behind the eight ball, right? So I think if you're the, the, the Miami Hurricanes right now, uh, you focus on playing a pretty safe and conservative game because you do have a defense that can keep you in any kind of game. It doesn't matter who they're playing against. So I think if they can keep the game close, you know, and then they can keep that young quarterback confident, that's going to give you your chance to win. If you want to get in a track meet and you want to pull all these plays and put the, the, the put the game in the quarterback's hands, uh, it could get out of hand really fast. To say yeah. The least. yeah, listen, all the expectation is Florida wins this game. My expectation is Florida wins this game. All due respect, Miami fans, I, I just I'm not a Florida Gator. Uh, let me always say that to you, um, but I just don't. I don't understand why it's only a touchdown favorite. I really don't. When you when you match up the two teams, and so they know that too, though. The expectation is on the Gators. And if the Miami Hurricanes can keep this thing tight, the longer it goes, well, you know who starts to get tight? It's that Gator sideline that starts to get tight. And, I mean, these games, I mean, they follow a formula. This isn't rocket science. But you got to put yourself to get in that position and not lose the game early. You know, you go down 10 nothing early if you're Miami, see you later. 
uh, you're, you're not coming back. It's just I don't think they're going to be built that way, and, they, and the expectation can't be like that for Williams uh, getting his first career start. It's going to be fascinating to see if Miami can hang, and, and maybe I'm wrong. Uh, it just feels like uh, they're, they're going to be a little outclassed here. Well, uh, overall, and, and I think if you look at the Florida Gators, I mean, the one question mark on that team right now is their offensive line. Yep. But you got to keep in mind, though, when when a team is playing the spread at, at the college level and you you play that spread, uh, I don't want to say it hides a lot of your vulnerabilities at offensive line. It can. But, but, it, but it, it helps people. And especially with Florida, they have a lot of weapons on the perimeter. They have a lot of speed. So anytime you have those kind of things, you have Felipe Franks back there who's, you know, kind of a year older, a little more experienced. I think that's going to be a recipe to actually stop that forward. Um, I'm sorry, stop, stop that Miami defense as well and kind of shot on them a little bit. So, well, we'll and I know what the Miami fans are saying. They're saying, wait until you see. We've got more than you think. Uh, well, we'll find out. We'll yeah. see if they do. And Manny Diaz is able to um, get a huge win early on. It's going to be a fun Saturday night. Action Sports Chats will be down in Orlando, by the way. We'll have coverage all night long on Saturday. Tomorrow we'll talk more about the game, give you our predictions, as well as we dive into the Gators and Canes. But first, let's get back to more Jaguars and Dolphins tonight on ESPN. 690. Uh, well, the game's not on ESPN 690, but right now on ESPN 690, we're going to talk more about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll go off today in practice, you know, where we are. You know, I felt like we had a really good practice of executing, you know, the game plan that's in right now. I like the game plan that's in. Uh, I felt like we did a nice job today. Um, I, I still, every day we need to continue to improve because we're a young offense. So, you know, there's never going to be a time where we arrive. We still have a lot of work to do each and every day to fine-tune our blocking, our route running, our footwork, every single thing. Um, you know, so we still have a few weeks to prepare, but, you know, we still have a lot of work to do. Uh, Nick Foles continuing to talk about this game tonight. Jaguars and Dolphins from Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens on Fox 30. Our TV coverage really gets underway in about 10 minutes on CBS 47 and Fox 30. I'll have a couple of uh, TV hits, if you will. That's what we call them in the business. Uh, on uh, CBS 47 and Fox 30 coming up. 6.50, we'll have our live sportscast on Fox 30. 7 o'clock, we roll right into Countdown to kick off a one-hour pregame show. Austin Lane, a part of that on the TV side. And at 8 o'clock, we got kickoff. We'll even have post-game coverage for you tonight as well. What's Nick Foles say about his debut in a Jacksonville Jaguars uniform? Brett Martineau here. Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Jack studios. Hey, man, let's do balling and falling. And uh, coming up in a few minutes, we'll get the Calais Campbell interview I had uh, as they arrived in South Florida. All right. Let's get in the balling. Uh, Brent, we talk about this guy time to time on the show. And it looks like someone has stepped up their marketing skills a little bit. Brooks Kepka is going to be featured in the 2019 ESPN body issue. Uh, ESPN released some pictures uh, for a little preview and also some interviewing uh, quotes that he said. And uh, basically he got into a little story about how people always say that he thinks he, uh, that they say he's too big and muscular to play golf. And then when he takes it upon himself to lose a little weight, then he says that they're too skinny. Um, somebody might have a little body image problem, but he's still a good golfer. And uh, check him out on the ESPN body issue coming up. All right. Uh, hey, you know what I'm going to do is give Ballin to oh, – oh, by the way, on that uh, Brooks Kepka thing. Yeah. Did you see, like, Ricky Fowler's quote? No. <laughs> I just saw the quote somewhere. Now I can't find it. But I can kind of tell you. Uh, I think we can get away with saying this. He said, uh, okay, here we go. He said in an interview, he said, I think it takes a lot of balls to do it. Ah. Literally. (laughs) 
Yeah, if you look at the picture, it's kind of, I'm going to be awkward. <laughs> the pictures are a little aggressive. I mean, I get it. It's the body issue, but he's basically just on a golf course playing golf with only clothes on. Obviously, I, you can't see anything, but it's still just kind of weird. I know this thing's been around for a while, and uh, I know people are, it it's kind of feels like you're all in on something like this or, or all out. Sure. And you almost have to be if you're doing it. But I'm just saying even kind of seeing it and the, the beauty of a body or the artistic impression or whatever you want to say. I don't know what it is, but people say. Yeah. I just don't know if I'd ever want to do this, even like if I had a body worth doing it. Like it, uh, the way I think, I don't think I would want to do it. Oh, I, I'd do it in a heartbeat, man. You would? Absolutely. You can So me? why? But uh, why? Like what? What? what yeah, why? Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's all you got to ask, right? Um, I don't know. I just think, you know, I'm, I'm pretty unique that I'm, I'm long and I have a lot of tattoos, so I could showcase those. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I don't know. It's kind of like the the really the, the who's who's have done that ESPN the body issue. So I think it'd be cool to, to do that and just kind of throw yourself out there a little bit. Obviously, um, you know, it's probably, I assume, nerve-wracking to be naked in front of everybody taking pictures. But yeah, yeah. I got no problem with that, man. I, I, I feel it could be a great challenge. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. And I don't know what I'm supposed to say now. Am I supposed to well, say, wow, I'd really look forward to seeing that? Well, no, don't say that. And don't also say that we're going to have, like, an ESPN 690 <laughs> body issue coming out or anything like that. No. No, we're, please, we're no. Just, we're just going to save it for the ESPN uh, regular one. By the if way, if, if we have that calendar issue, it's got a... Uh, you can be on the cover of the calendar, and that's the only picture. <laughs> but it was funny, too. In, the, in that interview, Brooks Kepko was saying, I guess he took, like, four months out to actually prep for the ESPN body issue. I remember that being a topic. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, I guess if you're going to be featured on newsstands and everything, you got to kind of take it seriously. But I don't know if I'm just going to, like, adjust my whole life just to look good in a magazine well, article. And that's, and isn't that a little bit? It's like, really, you're going to carve yourself into shape just for that that. Yeah. You know, if you kind of already are that way, yeah. then okay, go ahead, take the picture. Here we go. We'll go get it done. Um, I guess it's a little, it almost, for Brooks, it, it kind of felt like his wedding day, you know? Like it kind of the purpose, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it, does, it seems a little bit unnatural. Um, I don't know. I, I don't really look at, I, I mean, I, I used to get ESPN, the magazine. Yeah. They don't have ESPN, the magazine anymore, do they? I don't think or did so. Did they just come out with this body issue, and I think they put it online. I, I think they got rid it. of the magazine. True. Um, but. I used to like ESPN Magazine more than other people did, but I never really was like, oh, let me check out the body issue. <laughs> it, it felt a little different than the, the swimsuit issue sure. you know, yeah. that you'd get with Sports Illustrated. So, yeah. um, but anyway, that's, that's inter- I, was, I was very interested in see where you'd fall on that. Yeah, uh, and and that's cool. I, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think it's good for Brooks Kepka, a guy who, you know, all things considered, isn't really marketed a lot. So I think this can only help the dude out. Okay, uh, my ball, and I'm going to simply be this. Has it got to be Popeye's? I mean, is this like the best marketing that we've seen in years? Popeye, um, have yeah. you been following the Popeye stuff? The oh, whole Popeyes and Chick Fil A thing. Yeah. But Popeyes apparently every like location is jam packed. I know. And people can't get in, or they have to wait forty five minutes for a sandwich. I mean, hey, listen, that's part of the game. Hats off to Popeyes, who I like. I like Popeyes anyway. I, I, like, I think we said it the other way, or the other day. Right? I like their chicken. I like their dirty rice. I like the stuff they Every have. Every time I'm in the Atlanta airport, Popeyes is getting hit up. Yeah, I mean, I have no problem. I'm trying to watch what I eat a little bit more these days, so Popeyes isn't on my list. But um, I mean, what a job marketing! This thing has really worked. And you talk about the power of social media. I don't even know if they're putting commercials on TV. 
or on radio or anywhere else. It's all social media driven. Yeah. And people have taken it off and run with it. So, uh, impressive what Popeyes has done. So my ballings are there. What I do you got for fun? Yeah, I just don't understand how, like, Everyone is so damn passionate about these chicken sandwiches when cheeseburgers are still a thing. Like, I guess I'll take a cheeseburger any day over a chicken sandwich. I don't care how good the chicken sandwich is. <laughs> uh, phone, real quick. Gamblers, uh, Brent. So the, the sports book in Vegas last night made yeah. some serious coin off the Astros-Tigers game. Uh, last night, the Astros were as high as minus 560 favorites. That means you bet 100. I'm sorry, you have to bet 560 to make 100. And with Justin Verlander on the mound, it looked like a pretty easy bet. Uh, Justin Verlander pitched nine innings, giving up two runs and posting up 11 Ks. But unfortunately, the bats for Houston didn't come alive last night, and they actually got beat in the ninth inning uh, to the Detroit Tigers. So people lost money last night. And tonight, the Tigers are plus 500 favorites with Cole on the mound for the Astros. Wow. Um, and I saw that. That was incredible. All right, yeah. uh, real quick, my fallen. This new PGA Tour championship scoring. I looked up today. Justin Thomas hadn't even teed off and he was 10 under par i'm like what is going on he's gonna uh, i can't follow this right yet i've got i need more time to figure it out i think it's going to be okay right now justin thomas in the lead by one because xander shoffley six under through 16 at the tour championship but these new scoring systems are always tricky so right now it's fallen in my mind even though i love the tour championship and east lake's an awesome place when we come back my interview with calais campbell up next Welcome back to ESPN 690. I'm going to touch on an interview with Calais Campbell here in a little bit, the mayor of Saxonville. Before we do that, Brent's in Miami, said he had to do an interview real quick. I think he went off for a little happy hour himself. So in honor of Brent maybe abandoning the show to take care of his needs, still a little happy hour horn here at Coos. Get a shot and tip your star tenders. And if Brent was here right now, I'm sure he would say, that's correct, Austin. I locally own tequila right here in Jacksonville. Made in tequila, Mexico, shipped directly to Jacksonville Beach. Make your own recipes with being a DLOE, uh, the smoothest tequila you're ever going to taste. For locations and recipes, merchandise, visit VitaDeLouis.com. Please drink responsibly. <laughs> Nailed it. All right, well, hey, let's get into the interview with Calais Campbell here, the mayor of Saxonville, uh, talking about the game tonight, how excited he is, and what he expects from the defense this year. How much, as a veteran, do you want to see, do you need to see? I mean, uh, everybody's different. Uh, I think the biggest thing is uh, just you know trying to get into a rhythm. You know, uh, first game's coming up fast, and you want to be uh, on point. You want to be at your best. And so uh, it's good to come out, make some mistakes, really just, uh, you know, try to not make any mistakes, but you're going to just because it's natural. So it's just get a, a feel for the speed of the game so that when the first game comes, we'll be a little more conditioned. 
Is the time afterwards in a meeting room almost as important as the time on the field to correct those mistakes? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, and uh, that's usually where you get better. You know, after you make mistakes, is uh, you know watching them, correcting them, trying to get a feel for uh, you know why you made those mistakes. Um, but you know, also is uh, situational. You know, because this game, you know, we're gonna make a couple mistakes, but you know, uh, really start next week. You don't spend too much time on this step. You're, you're moving on to week one. And finally, do you have a feel for this defense? Did you in 2017 have a feel for where the defense was at the end of the preseason? Do you have one now? What is it? <laughs> yeah, I, I did in. Uh, and I do. Uh, you know, this defense has a chance to be very special. You know, I think that guys are playing very confidently. Um, you know, uh, there is uh, definitely energy in the building, you know, especially in our defensive rooms that uh, get you excited, you know. So, looking forward to seeing what happens. Obviously, you know, a lot can happen. You know, it's going to take it one day at a time, but, you know, I'm definitely excited about the way we feel. You like coming down here, huh? Last year you had one heck of a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, that, was, that was fun. You know, I mean, you know, this is my own stopping grounds and had a lot of good memories in the city. So, uh, it's going to be fun, you know, getting in, uh, getting in there and, and just competing. But, you know, I mean, I'm not going to play too much, so just try to take advantage of the opportunities I get. But I, I do love it here. We uh, are all anticipating and see what we're going to see with all the starters playing, but especially on the offensive side of the ball. Are you kind of curious uh, what you've been seeing in practice, how it might look uh, under the lights? Uh, I'm confident. You know, uh, I know what it's going to look like. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, there's going to be some good and bad plays because we're, we're just trying to gel together, and, and it's new. You know, and it's a lot of people playing for the first time together. That's why, you, you know, it's good to get a rep or two uh, just to get a feel for it. But, um, you know, when this offense uh, gels the best it can and really starts clicking, uh, I mean, they can be special. You know, uh, they, they really, uh, you know, I mean, it starts with foes, and, uh, and, and then, uh, you know, I know people kind of knock our receiver core a lot, but we have some receivers that are got some ability, you know, fast, can go get the ball, uh, good, uh, you know, return, uh, return specialist type, run after catch guys, and, uh, you know, uh, foes are smart, gets the ball to them early, and that's what do what they do, and then Fournette. I mean, he's been he's been you know looking incredible all camp. So, you know, I am excited to see what they do tomorrow. You know, but I know that uh, no matter what happens, it's a small sample size. Uh, the road work's really done. We'll soon know. Outside world, 15, 16 days between now or Thursday and then the opener, will build narratives. Do you got? Does this game factor in at all to how you guys might feel about your football team in two weeks? <laughs> Uh, nah, it shouldn't. Not too much, you know. Uh, the maturity level, you know, you know what you're getting in practice. You know, we've been competing and getting better. Now, this game definitely gives us a chance to get better and and uh, to you know work out some kinks. Uh, you know, because when it, when it's live and you're going against somebody else in this tackle, you start seeing a little bit more. You know, versus practice, you know, it's, it's controlled, it's a controlled environment, so you won't see as much. Uh, but you know, you know who you, you who you are. You know, and I know that you know no matter what happens tomorrow, you know, we have a really good team and we're going to be uh, a force to be reckoned with this year. Canes Gator, Saturday, you going? Yeah, uh, we have a day off, so I, I do plan to be there, uh, you know, and I'm looking forward to seeing how my boys do, you know, I mean, I know the Gators, they're a top 10 team, I mean, they were 8th in the country, and uh, they're a 7 point favorite, but uh, I'm confident my boys will be ready. That is Calais Campbell there, the mayor of Saxonville, and man, you know, like, when it comes to Calais Campbell, yes, I'm excited to watch him perform tonight with that starting defensive line, but to me, Clayus Campbell's like 
he's like that old Ferrari or he, he's like that old muscle car where go ahead and take him out a little bit, but there might be a little rain tonight. You know what I'm saying? So let's not go uh, crazy with it. Maybe get him at least just one series and then uh, put him back in the garage because we know what he's going to give us during that regular season. Uh, and I got something special. You know, Calais Campbell is a guy who to me is the complete package. I met him a few years back at Paul uh, Paul Puzz's, basically his retirement ceremony, and I knew who Calais Campbell was, but you know never had a, like a, a speech with him or anything like that. Never talked to the dude, and uh, I basically walk in the I, I walk in for the the, the ceremony for for Puzz, and Calais Campbell kind of pulled me aside. I was like, hey, what's up, man? My name's Calais. Uh, I heard you used to play here, so kind of hit it off from there, and. A couple of things stand out with Calais Campbell. Number one is just how big this dude really is. You know, I mean, I consider myself a pretty tall guy at six foot six. I'm not used to looking up to too many people. Calais Campbell is a guy that you have to look up to regardless of how tall you are. So, like, immediately that stood out to me. But also, man, just the type of guy that he is off the field and then on the field as well. You know, I think some of the greats in the NFL, especially nowadays, um, you, you have to play with this, especially on the defensive line in the trenches, you have to play with this intensity. You, you have to be, you know, the baddest dude on the field. You have to do that because if you don't, if you're just kind of jolly go you know, just whatever, uh, you're going to get exposed. And Calais Campbell has mastered this, and I think it goes along with a lot of other pros out there that I played with, but Calais Campbell is the master of, you know, when he's on the field, this guy's an absolute animal. You don't want to go against him. If you're a guard or you're a tackle, you're having nightmares about him uh, during the whole week leading up to the game. But when he's off the field, uh, he's this laid-back person who's, you know, super active in the community, um, does a lot of charity work. It's just an overall good dude. And anytime that you, you can kind of turn it on and turn it off when you walk through those white lines, that's when you know you have somebody special. So I'm excited to watch Clayus Campbell tonight. Not sure how long it's going to be for. Hopefully not that long. But obviously when the, when the regular season comes about, uh, I'm sure the mayor of Saxonville will be feasting. Whew. All right, so when we come back to ESPN 690 here, we got a little stay in your lane coming up. Uh, maybe getting a little dancing with the stars. And if you have some tissues nearby, you might want to get them for this one because my cruise control, if it didn't take you there yesterday with the, with the recruits getting the scholarships, the, the walk-ons, it'll take you there today because I got some water works. Water works I'm getting ready to queue up here involving the uh, cruise control and stay in your lane. So stay tuned to that. And when we come back, Brent will be back as well. Stay tuned to ESPN 690. Welcome back to ESPN 690. Let's do a little stay in your lane here, Coos. I feel like we should get like a kind of like a soundtrack to stay in your lane. Maybe some like cars honking or something like, like that. Like a traffic mix. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we could do better than that. You know, I mean, I'm not talking about we have to get Kanye West to, to write a song or anything like that, but I'm sure we have a couple of tools at our disposal that we can use. But that's another day for uh, it's another topic for another day, I guess. But uh, cruise control, coos, let's get into it. See, it sounds kind of boring right here. Welcome to Stay in Your Lane. This is Austin Lane. Yeah, we'll do better. I, I don't know. Do you like that coos or not? Yeah, I don't like that either. No, not at all. I, I just clicked was, the first thing that came that was, up. That was absolutely trash. I, I don't make you feel bad, but since you agree with me, yeah, that was trash. All right, cruise control. Uh, I teased it a little bit. Get those tissues ready. Cruise, this isn't a, a 1980s newsroom station thing where we're trying to break some news here. This, Dude, I'm, this, just, this I'm is, working with what we got. This is stay in your lane. 
I'm working with what we got. Well, we, I think we need more. <laughs> I don't I don't think we have it right now. All right. Anyways, cruise control. Get the tissues ready. Uh, in the Little League World Series, the Mid-Atlantic champions from Elizabethtown, New Jersey. Uh, well, you know what? Just listen to their coach. What do you have to say here? Elizabeth is so proud of you guys. Your moms and dads, right? And, guys, JR, dude, you were so awesome today, bud. So awesome. I love the way we didn't give up, man. I love the way we didn't give up. We fought. We fought. You kept it. That's who we are. We're fighters. Every single one of you is going to be successful, all right? For the rest of my life, I'm proud that you guys are going to call me coach, all right? There's dad and there's coach. I love you guys. Look at that, boys. Come on. Family. Family. So that was a coach from uh, the Mid-Atlantic champion, Elizabeth, New Jersey. Um, obviously, I think they just lost that game, uh, trying to pick those kids up a little bit and give them a speech. Uh, yeah, man, it, it, I feel like if you're not misty-eyed, you got ice water in your veins uh, with that one. And listen, you know, I think being a little league coach, man, it's not something I've ever experienced coaching kids of that age in baseball. But um, if that was Miku's, I would probably just say, well, we win. See you guys later, because I don't want to go on a big rant and start balling myself. So I'd just be like, oh, we're losers. You guys disappointed me, and we'll see you next year or something like that. Was there like a coach's speech that sticks out to you that happened like when you were on any team? Uh, yeah, you know, and we kind of talked about it a little bit when we had Coach Jay on from Murray State. But basically, he was the type of coach, you know, um, going into my junior year, uh, he, he said that I was kind of underachieving. And Coach Jay was never a guy to cuss you out. He was actually kind of a, an alternative coach, you would say, where he, did, he didn't even cuss. I've never heard the guy cuss one time when I when I played for him. Uh, and I think in doing that, man, you actually you built a lot more respect for him because I asked him one time, like, why don't you ever cuss at us? Like, why don't you ever lose your mind? He's like, because I was a player myself. I played at Stephen F. Austin, and I spent a little time in NFL training camp. And when coaches would chew me out and embarrass me in front of my, you know my peers and my teammates, it hurt my performance. So he was the guy that kind of got you know the new school way of thinking as far as football, you know, and in doing so, you, you want to play for that guy. So when he sat me down and said, I'm underachieving, uh, he's kind of disappointed in me. I took that to heart. And that's really one of the main reasons why I think I got to the NFL was just because of that motivation that he gave me. How about this for a stay in your lane traffic bed? Okay. Okay. Ah, that's better. It's better. That's better. Not, Yeah. Uh, I'm sure. Uh, no, Too I mean, much car? Uh, it's a lot of car, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's you know, but it's progress, Coos. All right, I'll and keep we can work with that, man. You're, you're definitely earning your keep around here. Uh, pump your brakes, All real quick. Right. Cool. Oh, sorry, Brent, go ahead. Oh, you do hear me. I was just wondering. Yeah. Uh, while you're on the baseball thing, real quick note before we get to pump your brakes, uh, I think. There's two things I, I think about the Little League World Series. One, I believe that's a pretty hard thing to do is be the coaches because yeah. you're competitive and, and you want to win, and, and that's just the way it is. I mean, you can talk Little League dads and say, they're just kids. I love the people self-righteous. Ah, they're just kids. Yeah, well, you you would act like a lunatic probably too. So, um, <laughs> But I think it's a tough spot because everything they do and say is under uh, a microscope you know, and, and being heard. That being said, I think it puts them on their best behavior too. Uh, not to say it's all an act. But trust me, the scene you see at the Little League World Series and what they're saying out on the mock, I remember it the other day because it was like first and second. It was late in the game, uh, nobody out, and I was like, oh, this kid's going to probably bunt. 
And the guy comes out to the mound. He's like, hey, we've done this all year long. You guys are the best. I love you. Let's get out of it like we've done all the time. And not once did the guy be like, hey, you guys know your responsibility. You know, on a bunt, you've got to cover first and you've got to cover this. It's like, hey, dude, that's what you go out to the mound to say, not to go out to the mound and give this speech that ESPN might run again later at night, you know. <laughs> yeah, so it, he has it's a script set aside and everything he pulls from his pocket. <laughs> it's this kind of like weird cross of like, okay, it's not reality, but it's the way it should be. You know, I mean, they've almost made the Little League World Series kind of feel movie-esque. Yeah. And I'm not, it's not all bad. Don't take, it's not all bad. It's just not, I just don't know if it's always the way it should be. And so my thought is if we mic everybody up, parents included, and have cameras all the time at every field, well, then maybe everybody would be on their best behavior. <sighs> That's a dang good point, man. Especially like all, all like the baseball fights that I've seen from little leaguers, you know, and the parents in the stands getting in fights and everything. Um, yeah, I feel like parents could be held a little more accountable as well. It happens. Hey, let me uh, share one other story before you get pump your brakes. Let's get doing all your time. You're fine, man. But You're good. We have plenty there was of time. A, uh, well, Andy Loosemore brought up, he gave us a... He tweeted or retweeted a story uh, by a guy in New Jersey. I always forget. The, uh, Steve Polite, I think, is his name. Um, he's very good, and then I always forget uh, how to say his last name. But he did a story in the last couple of days, or maybe it was today, on how he double-birded an umpire when he was, like, 11 or 12 years old or <laughs> playing ball. Yeah. And so he owned up to it in this article, in this uh, uh, column, and he went back and found the guy to apologize to him. Oh, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. Well, I'll tell you a quick little story. It, it wasn't like that exactly. But I was playing Legion baseball in, in Rhode Island. Yeah. And I rem- there was this time, I think we were playing even at Providence College. Uh, that's where the game was. And I was playing right field, and an ump made a call, and I kind of went a little like, probably overboard in in uh even from right field because i had like this vantage point <laughs> yeah and so i you know i'm going whatever but this is me i've been kicked out of a game before a game i wasn't even in so um i, I was probably overboard and raising a stink about it and and chat chattering and yapping and, and and probably didn't let it go just being obnoxious but i kind of forgot about all this well now fast forward uh, till I'm 23 years old, and I'm working in Providence at the CBS and Fox affiliate in TV. And I go do this story on a guy that has all this Yankee memorabilia in his house. And so we do the story on how much he's built all this Yankee Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio and all Babe, all this stuff. Yeah. And uh, it turns out, because he reminds me, I didn't know, I had forgotten, but he's like, hey, do you remember the time... When you went a little crazy, I was an umpire in that game. I was the base umpire, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, I didn't really at first, and then I kept recollecting, and he kept bringing it more up. Yeah. And I ended up doing a story on the guy all years later. <laughs> and he was a really nice man. I remember him as a good umpire anyway, but it was just one of those moments. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it wouldn't have made, like, the nightly news, by the way. I just remember putting up a real big stink, and he reminded me of it. Yeah, but it yeah. brought me back to Andy had brought it up today with this article, and I was like, man, you never know when you're going to run into those folks oh, down the road. Sure. And especially, <laughs> I, that's an awesome story. And I feel like being an umpire is probably the most stressful job, you know, in, in sports in, in terms of, you know, keeping everything stable uh, as a rep. 
laugh. You know, because I feel like baseball is so slow where every mistake you make is, like, magnified times yeah. 100. So. Good point. But, uh, yeah, thankfully I don't really have any good, uh, like, you know, umpire ref stories that I went against the ref. But I will say, uh, me, me and Ed Hockley used to have some really good banter. You remember? <laughs> really? Yeah. Is he still repping? I, don't I think, think he anymore. retired, but his kid yeah. is. Now it's Ho- uh, Hockley Jr. Yeah, so, you know, obviously Ed Hockley, man, he, he's known because he has, like, the big arms and everything and yeah. more like the, the tight shirt. So it was, like, my first and second year in Jacksonville. It seems like whenever we played the Colts in Indy, he would be there. So uh, I'd always go up to him. I'm like, Ed, man, this offseason, hit me up, dude. Let's get on that workout together, man. I see those <laughs> arms growing. And, you know, he kind of laughed at me. And then there's another time, too, I saw him, like, a year later. I'm like, Ed. I'm not sure how the drug testing works for the ref, but you got to cycle <laughs> off, man. You're getting way too big. So you so said I, that to him? Oh, yeah, I told him to cycle off. He, he just laughed at me, you know, so it was all good. But uh, That's yeah. awesome. I wonder if refs have drug testing. It's a great point, man, because if anybody deserves it, Ed Hockley deserved it, man. That guy was huge. What was cool is how how aware of it he was, you know? Oh, he embraced it. He, oh, he knew yeah. He what was up. And, but that's even cool. I did not, I've never heard you tell that story. Yeah. And so it's pretty cool that he was even aware of it with the players. Oh. Enough he, to have fun with it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, and it's funny because we're talking about it now, or else I had completely forgot about that story. But he was super laid back about it. You know, I mean, he's one of the best reps, I think, uh, of the game. I mean, he, for the most part, called it pretty clean games, at least the ones I was a part of and everything like that. But yeah, he, he had a great personality to go along with it, too. And he actually embraced the character of him kind of just being this. Jack, dude. So I'm, I'm definitely, cool. I'm definitely going to get to your pump your brakes. But yeah, now good. that you've got me on this, and I kind of got us on this, uh, when you would go into it, I think this happens in the offensive room, probably more than the defensive room, but maybe not because of the corners. How much do you guys do you remember scouting the refs? And, oh. and also being like, man, I hate this guy. No, you don't have yeah. to call different names. I'm just saying, sure. how much goes into that in the game week prepping of, yeah. hey, this guy's going to call a tight game. He's going to call you for hands to the face. He might call you for grabbing the jersey, yeah. whatever it might be. Yeah, so I'm not going to call anybody out, you know. But, um, yeah, especially, like, Coach Del Rio, he was really adamant about that. So, like, leading to, like, our, our week, you know, so basically how it works is uh, we play a game Sunday. We Come in Monday, just go through some stuff. We have off Tuesday, and then Wednesday is really like the, the game prep then, right? So Wednesday when we have our team meetings, we go over who are going to be the game wreckers on the, the opposing team on offense, who are going to be the game wreckers on special teams, and on defense. And we're all sitting there as a team together. And then when, when the game wreckers were done, then he would announce who the refs are going to be. And then each ref that was going to be in the game had like literally a, like a scouting report next to him, like you know calls of a, a, a really tight game as far as like hand placement. If, if you're a corner or likes to call holding on offensive linemen, things like that. Okay. So there were always really detailed descriptions of the refs that were going to be at the game. All right. Good deal. I like yeah. it. And I've, I've heard of that before, but I kind of wondered even from your side of it, um, if, if you have those those thoughts going in, because it can really affect the way you play. All right. Do pump your brakes. Sorry, man. Oh, all good. So pump your brakes real quick. Uh, Dancing with the Stars, Brent. We got... Oh. Lamar Odom and Ray Lewis are... Lamar Odom? Yeah. So, Odom is back, um, you know, from his whole things that he had going with the Kardashians. And Ray Lewis also is going to be on Dancing with the Stars because Ray Lewis can't get enough TV time, I guess. But um, I always wondered this with Dancing with the Stars. Like, does it really boost your career a lot? Like, I don't, I don't get the whole... And listen, I don't watch the show, so I can't tell you what's going on in it. But, like, I don't get the whole obsession with Dancing with the Stars. And, and I get... Now they have, like, a... There's a Sean Spicer, the, the former Trump guy, is on the show now, too. So there's a lot of controversy behind it. I just don't get what, what all the hype is about, Brent. 
Yeah, and now you said you'd do the body issue. You wouldn't even, uh, I don't know how you dance, but uh, could, would you do that show? Brent, spoiler alert, I'm a great dancer, first of all. So you you are, just, you are Kyle Bosworth. That. Oh, man. Oh, Boz might have, Boz is probably the best dancer for my draft club. Well, you know, he wasn't drafted, but for my class, yeah, Kyle Bosworth. Yeah, I, I told him the other day, I, I saw him at the Jags game last week against the Eagles. I said, yeah. man, you are like legendary. These guys don't stop talking about the way you dance. Oh, he's good, man. He's really good. He's so unsuspecting because to set the story for me, he doesn't know. We had a dance contest, you know, for the rookies because it was part of the quote unquote hazing. And, you know, Bosworth just being unassuming, just kind of chilling on the corner. Someone points to him to go in the, because there's a giant circle of players. Someone points to Bosworth to jump in the circle. And all of a sudden, it's like, you know, it's like John Travolta and whatever that movie was where he was dancing. Dirty dancing? What is it yeah. now? What was he in? Saturday Night Fever. I think, whatever it was. But he was like John Travolta in that, except he was doing more modern moves. Um, what is that, Saturday Night Fever John Travolta was in? No, wasn't it, uh, you're thinking of um, guy Patrick Swayze? In, yeah, but John Travolta was in, a, he was in a disco movie. I remember I watched as a this kid. It's really bad. It's just not in my wheelhouse. Don't worry, man. I'm going to Google it's one right of the now. two, though. Saturday Night Fever. Got okay. it. Nailed it. Thank you very much. Yes, you're welcome. By the Appreciate way, I think, I, I think I've got the bed music now. It only What's, took me the whole break. I didn't mind that other one. What, did you, what do you have now? Oh. Play it. Oh, my. <laughs> Is that Limp Biscuit? No. Dude, that sounds like Limp Biscuit. <laughs> that makes it even better. Dude, like that's it. awesome. I like it. Hey, this is going to be a thing. Who's Don't uh, Lose That Track. This one? Don't lose it. All right. That's the new Stay In Your Links. That's oh, yeah. a great way to get in to stay in your lane. I, I like, like it. it. There yep. it is. Keep it cool. All right. Make it a button. Listen, people, we don't do a lot of meetings outside of right here, so you just Never. are part of our production meetings as we go along. Thanks for being a part of it. You're always <laughs> welcome to jump in. Star Star 690 are on the digital platforms. We'll be back from Hard Rock Stadium here in South Florida and in the Action Sports Jack studios on ESPN 690. Oh, yeah, we survived the rain in South Florida. Little raindrops on my head. Not going to matter here. It's now super sunny in uh, sunny Florida, South Florida. Brent Martineau in Miami Gardens right outside of Hard Rock Stadium. Jags and Dolphins doing battle tonight. Preseason game number three. Should be a lot of fun, especially in the first half, to see these two teams go at it. Where are they at this juncture of the preseason getting ready now for the regular season? So Brent Martineau here, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane in the studios back in Jacksonville along with Coos. Uh, half hour to go on the show, and tomorrow we get to go revisit are three players on the offensive side, three players on the defensive side, and how this Jaguars team did tonight. Of course, we'll have Gators and Canes conversation tomorrow as well. And uh, high school football, I'll be live out in Lake City, Columbia, once again, where our game of the week is. Did you see this? This just in. And I want to get to Patrick Chung in a moment, too, because I'm sure you saw that story. Wow, what's going on there? Not good. This story coming out, uh, or I just saw it, maybe it's earlier today, but Justin Verlander would not speak to one of the reporters from the Detroit Free Press, and he actually said he would not come out and talk to any of the credentialed media if this guy was allowed in the room. And so Houston does not allow the guy in the room to do his job, Mm -hmm. because Verlander requested it, and now there's, that's a violation of the uh, Baseball Writers Association policy. 
And now on uh, social media, Verlander put out, I guess this was this morning, uh, Verlander said, I declined to speak with the free press rep last night because of his unethical behavior in the past. I reached out to them multiple times before the game to notify them why and to give them an opportunity to have someone else there. Ironically, they didn't answer. Although I tried to avoid this situation altogether, I've still reached out to the free press multiple times today with no response. They're still not interested in my side of the story. Wow, pretty bizarre. For, you know, you read the headline, and I'm like, oh, gosh, here we go. I mean, come on, Verlander, you got to... You got to talk to the media. I mean, you can't. It, not one guy is not every person in the media room. Um, and now, what's interesting is at least I like the fact that Verlander tried to take a proactive approach to it. Not that they would have changed. I'm not sure Detroit Free Press would have changed. They would have kept that guy there. But at least he tried to reach out and has tried to reach out. And it doesn't look like he's made this public in terms of his grievance with this reporter. But he has tried to reach out to the Detroit Free Press. It sounds like, of course, Verlander played for a long time up in Detroit, and that's where this run-in probably took place. I'm sure you'll take the player's side of this, Austin Lane. Oh, you better believe I'm taking the player's side of this because what he's doing <laughs> is he's holding the sports media people uh, accountable, Brent. And I think sometimes, whether it's on sports radio or whether it's on, you know, in the newspaper, I think sometimes um, people can cross the line a little bit to try to get the likes and try to get the people uh, have their eyes on them. So from that perspective, uh, I'm not mad at what Verlander did. Um I'm sure you probably dislike it a lot because it kind of fits the category where if one person messes up, well, then the whole you know the whole group messes up, and that's kind of what Verlander did here, where it was just one reporter, literally just one, and all of a sudden he made it hard on, on the sports reporters in general. So from that perspective, I, I can see where you're upset a little bit, but I respect it, man. You got to keep people on your toes. I'm all for it. Well, here's the deal, man. I don't mind this sometimes, but it. I, I, we don't have the whole story, and I wish, and someday we'll have the whole story, whether that's tonight or tomorrow or down the road. But my view is just because a player doesn't like what's going on or what is said doesn't necessarily make the player right. And, by the way, reporters are can be wrong, too. Uh, but, you know, we had a situation last year with Jalen Ramsey, and that was in training camp, and, you know, there was a back and forth between the media in general and Jalen Ramsey and how that was interpreted on both sides. And even if you, I think, took a neutral observer, would have been maybe different than the way Ramsey himself or even some other players viewed that. So uh, I'm not, I, we don't see these circumstances all the time. And I, I respect Verlander's approach to this. And he might be right in this, too. But... It's situational where he might not be right, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, we don't know the whole story here with, with Verlander, right? Um, but, uh, listen, I've I've been on both sides now, Brent, right? Like, I've, I've been in a locker room as a player, and now I've been in a locker room a little bit um, as, as a member of the, the sports media. And... I think every story is going to be different. You know, with Jalen Ramsey, I mean, I, I don't know the ins and outs of it. Um, I don't necessarily know how he was portrayed after everything went down. I feel like, I mean, I'm sure, you know, people probably pointed the finger a little bit and said that he's not acting right and that he needs to be, act more mature. I think that's kind of the narrative. I'm just saying, though, from the fact, and we don't know all the story behind the whole Berlander incident here, but, 
You know, when I went to Murray State, Brent, there was a thing called the Journalism Code of Ethics. And basically, you have to have integrity, accountability, responsibility. You have to credit all your sources and ideas. You have to ensure that the reader understands where the source came from, the intent of the content, and you cannot disclose all potential conflicts of interest. And I think that the Journalism Code of Ethics has gone by the wayside uh, the past four or five years now because it is a new age. It, it is an age where you have to be a jack-of-all-trades, whether that's social media, the radio, or television. And in doing so, some people will um, will vouch to disregard the code of ethics in order to make a name for themselves even more and get more viewers or people watching them. So from that perspective, if I'm an athlete, that frustrates me a little bit because as an athlete, you have to, you're supposed to conduct yourself in a professional manner. You're supposed to adhere to the brand or the company that you work for. And I think that journalists need to take a look upon themselves too and do the exact same thing. Now, I'm not saying one side's wrong, one side's right. I think they just need to work together um, and make it a, you know, a cool environment for everybody. Well, that's interesting. By the way, you really did learn that at Murray State. That was impressive. You just ripped that off, and I don't know if I fall into any of those and do it right. We might have to end this show right now. Honestly, man, it was the first test I ever had for, for JMC, which is Journalism Mass Communications class. That They basically pounded that idea home. So That was know. really interesting. Uh, you know, here's the deal. I have said many a times in the last few years, I do think the accountability in journalism no longer exists. I think you can kind of say something and... Unless it's really bad, you might get fired or you might get all this stuff. But you can kind of say something. I could tell you right now Jalen Ramsey isn't playing tonight, and I'd get a little backlash for not playing tonight. But that it would go away by tomorrow morning. It really would. Now, you do that enough, and people lose, you lose credibility and you lose all those things. But you could – you're not going to get – that's kind of a weak example of it I just gave you. But I do think accountability is um, gone. Because there is such a gray area now between what journalism and the spread of information is. And so many people can do it, and so many people can get it in a variety of ways. So I, I yeah. get your point there. The other thing I've, um, I've always – it's kind of why I say anybody who – it's great if you can get stuff first. Like the Adam Schefters of the world, the Ian Rappaports of the world, they've really made a living doing that. Uh, Woj in the NBA has done a good job. But for, like, the majority of people to really go chase stories to break it, I think is kind of old school journalism, and while it works at times, and listen, you like to pat yourself on the back if you get one. It doesn't. Nobody's keeping score anymore of that. Very few people. The journalists themselves might keep score, but the mm. public isn't really keeping score. Now they do keep score for Adam Schefter and Woj. We've now labeled those guys as as they know it, and they're going to get it. And almost to the point where if something happens, you want to see if they report it so we know it's true or not. So they are a little bit different. But I'm saying probably more at the local level and regional level. I Because what happens is if I break something right now and tell you, hey, all of a sudden so-and-so is not playing, well, then three minutes, about 500 people have it too. So you were first for about 180 seconds. You yeah. know, used to be you were first for a whole news cycle. And now that doesn't happen anymore. And I know we've kind of got off the tangent of Justin well, Verlander, but yeah, we're kind of yeah. talking a little well, bit more about journalism because you broke out that that fantastic definition code of, ethics. of yeah. what it was supposed well, to be. Well, and you said like you know keeping score now. I mean, 
Yeah, maybe you're not really keeping score because there's so much information out there, Brent. But I'll tell you who's keeping score in the in the world of sports journalism, and that's the athletes. The athletes that are getting covered are keeping score, Brent, because it's so easy to access any kind of information, whether it's on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You know, the information's out there. So I think sometimes people will say things that have no consequence or remorse, and then athletes hear this, and you wonder why they get upset. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I, listen, I've I, I've been hard on some players in the Jaguars, and, and I stick by what I say because at the end of the day, like I said before, I'm going to say what I'm going to say in my opinion, but I'm going to treat it like when the show is done, I walk out to the parking lot, they're going to be waiting for me. And are they going to be waiting for me because it's fair of what I said for them, or is it because I tack their character and who they are as a person? So I just think from that perspective sometimes, media members kind of lose their minds a little bit, and there's no you know, there's no consequence for it. But at the same time, yeah. if a player was to attack a media person or come off as unprofessional, well, then that's going to that's gonna hurt the brand of the company that he works for on the team. So it's kind of a double standard sometimes, I'm just saying. Yeah, and that's really well said, uh, too. And I think the, the real distinction is there's a lot of people that say stuff, whether it's on the radio, TV, wherever, social media, yeah. and don't ever go interview a player and talk to the player. Exactly. And so I'm with you. I yeah. think it's important if you're going to see the player and communicate with the player and hear their side of the story and ask them to share their side of the story, that you're very fair to the player. For and hopefully nine out of ten times or even more than that, uh, you're fair to the player, even if there's criticism. They can take the criticism, I think. Of course. As long as it's... Uh, it's it's fair criticism, yeah. And uh, hopefully we we do that uh, more often than not. Hey, Patrick Chung, how much does this taint the New England Patriots locker room for this year? What's going on there? And one final look at the Jags Dolphins game tonight coming up on ESPN six ninety. Well, we dodged some of the rain. It's a beautiful night now in South Florida. Welcome to Miami Gardens outside of Hard Rock Stadium. It will be a uh, slow developing crowd, you would think, for preseason game number three. In fact. Uh, the family came down for this game. They wanted to see. They'll get the first look at uh, Nick Foles. Might want to keep the ticket stub, but the tickets that they were looking at were like six bucks. Not bad. Jeez. Yeah, I take that. By the way, I do think uh, Steph, Tyler, and Kaylee should get some kind of prize. They have now attended all three preseason games. Okay, that's uh, that's some diehard fans right there. That's their diehards it. in the preseason. They might go to more preseason games than they go to regular season games. I mean, listen, I want a cookie <laughs> just from watching all the preseason games this year, Brent. That's something that I normally don't do. So it kind of goes to show you where, where my head's at, the fact that, you know, I'm I'm all in with this radio show here. I'm watching preseason football uh, nonstop. You are all in, so much so that you just gave us the code of ethics in journalism. I you mean, better that's, believe it, man. That might have been your finest moment. Like, ah, I, I really thought you were reading that off between. Google. Oh, no, like uh, I told you, they, they, they pounded that point home. It's funny now, though. I'd probably go back to school, you know, 10 years later, and code of ethics, what are you talking about now? So, Yeah, who knows? that doesn't exist. Yeah, he's talking uh, about the code right, of hey, ethics. Real, get those likes. We'll get some, <laughs> some Jags questions, right? We'll get some Jags questions in a moment. Hey, Patrick Chung. This cocaine charge? Not What's going to come about of this? I mean, this is a good football player. Been a part of that organization for a while. And, you know, I guess it speaks to, is there more of this kind of stuff and he got caught that goes on in the NFL than we realize or want to believe? And are we naive when it comes to just hard working and, and playing football and being pros or is this an isolated thing? I mean, how do you feel about And I know, by the way, through the eras, things have changed. I mean, I think there are guys back in the day doing a lot of different steroids and probably mm-hmm. doing a lot of different drugs, and they didn't have testing. And, and But now that we have the testing and all this, I, I don't 
this one surprised me from uh, how prevalent this kind of thing is. And I mean, it just doesn't add up to me for Patrick Chung to, to get busted on cocaine charges. Listen, I'm not going to say anything that isn't common knowledge on, on Google or, or an, an NFL handbook here. But in terms of street drugs, yeah, of course they're prevalent. Why? Because the way it's set up right now in the NFL is you only get tested for street drugs once a year, pending that you're not in the, the NFL program. You know, like say say you get busted smoking weed or whatever, you feel you feel uh, a drug test. Well, then you're you're in the NFL protocol where you get tested every single week. But I'm saying okay. if you're not on the NFL's radar, you only get tested once for a, a street drug. So for instance, uh, usually what would happen is uh, a player could get tested in training camp. All right. So you get tested for street drugs, and it's most and it's really important if you're a player. You ask the, the guy that's doing the sample, "Hey, is this for pro uh, performance enhancing drugs or street drugs?" So once you know that, and if he says street drugs, you take that urine test, you pass it. You can do whatever you want then, as far as street drugs are concerned, for the whole entire year because you only get tested once. So if you get tested during training camp. You can do whatever you want to do. You know, now performance enhancing drugs, Brent, are different. But I'm talking like, you know, if you want to smoke weed, if you want to do cocaine or whatever else you want to do. Once you get tested for that once during training camp or whenever it is during the season, once you pass that test, you're good to go for the whole year. Well, uh, one last thought on that. Here's the thing I don't – and this is where I am at, naive, man. Yeah. I grew up uh, in New England. I grew up a Boston Celtics fan. And Len Bias died of a cocaine overdose. Sure. And he was supposed to be a star – and that story hit that area so hard. It hit the Boston Celtics organization so hard. And I was a kid at that time. And I guess I just relate cocaine to that. Yeah. And while if you want to talk marijuana and you want to talk talk steroids and you want to talk some, I just don't relate athletes this day and age as as doing that hardcore so, stuff. And, yeah. and I, again, I'm I'm admitting uh, being naive on that front. But I just in a, in a world where these guys know more about their body, take care of their body, and all that stuff, I just um, I I can't get my head around that guys would do that at this level with so many so much money well, on the line. Here it is, Brent. You know, and I don't know Patrick Chung personally. I've never really talked to the guy. I tell you the truth, don't know his whole mindset, but I do know of life in the NFL, and every guy approaches that differently. Uh, the NFL is a super stressful environment. You know, when, when I was a rookie in the NFL, man, I probably spent more time at Jack's Beach than I should have. And by Jack's Beach, I mean going to the bars and things like that. Just because when you're going through the season, man, um, especially if you're not doing well and you're hearing all the scrutiny and everything, you're going through practice, your body's banged up, sometimes you need to find that release. Sometimes you need to find that outlet, you know. And, and I, I guess I found it going to the bars and drinking alcohol. But um, other players find it in, in, in a variety of means, whether that's smoking marijuana, whether that's pain pills, whether that's cocaine or, you know, heaven forbid, something even worse. You know, everyone uh, tries to mask it differently, I guess. You know, and that's just the setup that the NFL is, Brent. It's a, it's a super stressful environment. And when you're adding injuries, when you're adding the physicality to it, and you're, just, you're still adding this whole masculine toxic energy, which is still prevalent where it's like you can't show any emotion, you can't show any weakness. Well, guys got to find a way to counter that, man. And some guys aren't as strong as others. So sometimes guys will turn to legal street drugs. And unfortunately, with Patrick Chung, this was a prime example. Well, well said. Very well said. And uh, that's the realities of, of uh, the world sometimes, yeah. even in uh, the NFL. All right, before we let everybody go, how about a question or two? I think Coos said he's got a few uh, back there. What do you got, Coos? Yeah, uh, Russell asking in about Leon Jacobs. He says he hasn't heard anything at all, specifically sending it towards Austin. 
so, you know, with Leon Jacobs, listen, he's, he's the Sam linebacker, right? He's the strong side linebacker. If I ask anybody on the street right now, give me your top five Sam linebackers, who would they be? <laughs> I bet people couldn't even name two of them. Because the, because the strong side linebacker, for lack of a better word, it's kind of a thankless job, right? Like, you don't get a lot of action in terms of getting the sacks, uh, maybe creating the turnover so much. So from that perspective, I think Leon Jacobs has done an okay job so far with what they're asking him to do. Uh, one play did stand out to me, though, against against the Eagles where, and I'm not sure if this was more Josh Allen or Leon Jacobs, but what happened was Josh Allen stunted inside, and that would give Leon Jacobs the outside contain. Unfortunately, Leon Jacobs got sucked down in the middle, and the, and I forgot who the tailback was, but the tailback broke outside for like about a 20-yard gain. So from that perspective, either Josh Allen should have went inside, and Leon Jacobs should have contained, or they got mixed up, whatever it is. But the, at the end of the day, if you see your defensive end go inside, you have to make him right no matter what if he's if he's running the play or not. So once you see that defensive end go inside, it's a, it's the Sam's job to replace him outside. Unfortunately, Leon Jacobs did not do that against the Eagles. Well, it might be the most least talked about position in sports now because of all the passing in the NFL and how much yeah. you're in nickel. So 35% of the time is the number that everybody throws out there and Leon Jacobs would be used. That's if he wins this job. I think it's a fair question. I said it last week. I said... The good news is I haven't heard much about Leon Jacobs making mistakes. The bad news is I haven't heard much about Leon Jacobs. Usually you want to be talked about a little bit and maybe make a play here or there. So uh, we'll see what happens with Leon Jacobs. Good question. What do you got next, Coos? All right. The uh, the last one we have here was just kind of about the game tonight, saying uh, who do you guys think is going to shine through? Okay, yeah, and some people missed that. Uh, let's go over our top three guys on each side of the ball, Austin. I'll give you mine first. Yeah. My number one player to watch in this football game tonight is Jawan Taylor, the second-round pick out of Florida. Can he hold down that right tackle spot and be someone that's reliable for this Jacksonville Jaguars offense, football team, Nick Foles, everybody else? Number two for tonight to see is D.D. Westbrook because I think he's going to have a nice year. And I want to see a player or two from Didi and maybe even how they use him, if they'll show us anything that's to be seen. My last one's James O'Shaughnessy. And I said it earlier, if James O'Shaughnessy, the tight end, has a splash play or two, I might start getting on the bandwagon and predict him as we get closer to the regular season as having a pretty good year for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Because right now he's the only available tight end that you can see doing something like that. And DeFilippo and Foles are very good with that position. So uh, I'm going to keep my eye on number 80 tonight. Um, my top guy to watch, wide receiver Chris Conley, kind of went under the radar a little bit in Kansas City. He comes to Jacksonville now, and it's clear that him and Nick Foles has some kind of chemistry going on, whether it's in OTAs or in training camp. And I think if you have that kind of chemistry, when it's third and long, you're looking for someone to depend on, I think Chris Conley is going to be that guy. So I expect him to catch some balls tonight. Uh, the second guy I'm going to watch tonight, Raquel Armstead. Um, who's going to be that backup tailback to Fournette right now? I mean, I, I would say Alfred Blue, but I think Armstead could kind of make some money tonight a little bit um, and kind of build off his first performance week one against Baltimore. He is a hard runner. I'll give him that. Can he show that vision? Can he show that elusiveness? And then my third guy to watch, a guy fighting for the starting position right now at right guard, Will Richardson. Uh, it's between him and A.J. Can. I like Richardson because he's a little bigger. I like my guards big. So can he kind of lock up that spot tonight uh, from the right guard position? All right, three guys on defense. I have Josh Allen. I also have Ronnie Harrison. And I also have, uh, uh, who was the other one I had? Oh, Miles Jack. You had 
Ngakwe. Dayton Jones, and I got Breon Borders. Uh, if he goes against a guy by the name of Preston Williams, wide receiver from Miami, who's going to be a challenge for him tonight. Still trying to make a roster spot himself. All right, inactives come out in just a little bit. We'll tell you about it on the TV side. That's going to do it for our radio coverage from South Florida. Good work, Austin Lane. Good work, Coos. And we'll see you on TV tonight, everybody. Our coverage begins 7 o'clock all the way through on Fox 30. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.